This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 72, the metagame list featuring Jata Pay. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Episode where we're actually in the episode with Jada Pink. How does that happen? How do we? Because here's the we... thing: Jada's been on the show before, uh-huh. but never in like, not... never, not properly, like in a fictional right. way. In a fiction, in the in, a... in the in the in the Space Cats Peace Turtles diegesis, he right. was there, right. but he was never present with us. Well, He's well, part of the fictional universe. It, it, He's not it, it, am I a real fictional, person. Though? Am I? Re- yeah, that's the question. Am I real? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, we do kind of put a rest to H plus M equals right. J it's over. P there's no. Right. There's no today. way to say we've hired an actor. We definitely did not hire an actor. <laughs> right. We definitely. I'm nodding. We I'm, couldn't we, have done that. No. That's impossible. Um, Actors cost a lot of money. Like right. yeah. It, and, and they there's no way talent. we had eight hundred dollars for the SAG day rate to right. afford. Right, but then of course, obviously, we could get somebody that wasn't SAG, and then well, sure, obviously but... we could pay him probably in pizza, right? But we can't. I mean, we wouldn't do that. We yeah, cheesy bread, if you will. Oh wow, that reminds me, I still owe Imson a cheesy bread. <laughs> um, no, hey, we're here today with Jada Peck. Hey, Jada, say hi. Hello, hey everybody. Um, so. We're doing your Space Kitty episode today. It is like Rawr. so incredibly overdue. Uh, Hunter promised he would make that noise every time. Um, uh, it's it's so overdue to get a Jada Paik episode in the books. Um, well, thank you. Are, you. you are thank our you. first Space Kitty. Um, in Mac We Trust didn't come too long after you, but you were there first. So I feel like I just am supposed to call this our first Space Kitty episode. And that's actually our Thank second. Is that, Shade Throne. Is that fair? Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Throne. I think I was also your first villain on the, on the podcast. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's Unaligned Magi is my personal villain. Um, I don't I, know, my Hunter, personal you? hero. Magi. 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 <laughs> I've got, I'm uh, decked out in my Magi gear right now. You guys can't see me, but I am Magi number one head to head to foot. Um. So for your episode, we talked, to, there were a few different ideas tossed around about what Jada's episode should be. And I, I feel like I want to at least throw uh, a little bit of um, some kudos to one idea, which was just like, we could have gone over your custom faction. And I feel like in lieu of actually going over all the details of your custom faction, which deserves to be gone over. And I know it's not 100% done, right? But you've released right, a lot right. of demos to people. Can you at least just tell people the the most insane part of the story of your custom faction. There's like one element to it that is like, you're an insane person that should be thrown in jail. <laughs> I, 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 I think the most uh, insane aspect of it is that I hired the artist uh, that did TI4, Scott Schomburg, um, to yeah. do the art for uh, the faction. And it, it all was born out of um, the uh, sit down, shut up uh, episode where they, they filmed uh, and, and kind of gave a making of T.I. And they had Scott. And, he, and at one point in the episode, he opens up the infamous 
uh, Twilight Imperium RPG and, and notes some of the the yeah. outstanding artwork that was in that, and uh, kind of makes <laughs> a joke about yes. it. And uh, it, it turned out like Scott had posted something. I, I can't remember if it was Reddit or BGG, but he asked. He was selling some art on eBay, and I just reached out to him and I said, "Hey, would you be interested in doing like a proper?" Ti uh, Gorilla Robots faction, and from there, that's that's, that's so what amazing. Happened. That's just like yeah. the most incredible thing that's ever happened in <laughs> yeah. this community. Um, There's a lot and of and also so the good. most terrifying. So yeah, good. it looks so good, and you are a crazy person that yeah. um, I can't I can't express <laughs> how cool that is. Um, but no, today our actual episode is actually based on a post you made before Ti Four was even released. Yes. Um, but obviously TI3 was a game that was very similar mm-hmm. in scope and style and everything, but you made a, a post on board game geek that is, that is continues to be one of my favorite posts ever, uh, on my least favorite website ever. Uh, <laughs> and you called it the meta game list. And today, uh, I, it, it seemed good, especially given kind of finishing up a, a major round of the tournament and like learning a lot more about lots of different players. Um, getting more into like a metagame discussion seemed like a pretty cool place to, to go next. And so I figured today we're basically just going to break down all of your definitions that you, you get, yeah. add a couple of our own, uh, and just like compare and contrast notes on like how we feel about all of these different metagame considerations. So I feel like the best thing to do first is, is Jada kind of give me an introduction to this list and why it needs to exist in people's minds. Yeah. So it was born out of, uh, I believe another post that talked about king making and it got me thinking about, you know, all the different aspects of the metagame in terms of the players interaction, the way people play the game. It got me thinking about different ways people approach a game that has an open, uh, an open way of playing where it's not set within rules, but people's personalities can come out on how they play the game. And I wanted to sort of take a look at that and examine that based upon mm-hmm. what how I've seen people play in other games and things I've experienced and filter that into TI and also then kind of, you know, generate a discussion about what, what people think is acceptable or not acceptable in terms of right. the way people play. And, and so I approach it as more of a, a very neutral standpoint of looking at it like, you know, these are the behaviors that people will engage in. What do you all think about it? And, and defining yeah. those behaviors. And so that's that's sort of the impetus behind the post. Yeah. So we're going to kind of do exactly that. I think we should look through these definitions today and then kind of discuss. I, I keep calling it like the spectrum of like what is what is ethically allowed and not allowed <laughs> right. in yeah, a like game it's, it's of the TI. Spectrum, the spectrum of etiquette for yeah. Yeah. Twilight Imperium. I always, I, I always love when we get to talk about uh, game etiquette because it's right. like I feel like it's the brainiest part. Of yeah. it because none of it is in the book, right? Right. This is all none of it's in the book, and none of it is even consistent amongst players, right? right? Yeah. Like different people have a different line that they draw for like when you are no longer having good etiquette, and and it yeah. falls a little bit outside of like min max and pure strategy. I mean, someone can approach, yeah. approach it really analytical, but then you have someone coming in that's just dazzling the other players at the table, right. and, You know, it, it shifts the whole balance of the game. And, and I think what makes Twilight Imperium fairly unique is that I think the metagame component takes over and you ha- you just have to be aware of it and you have to play against it. Like you have to know these considerations so that you yourself can be a better player. You have to see when you're leading to 
you know, maybe oh, someone totally. is disengaging or whatever. All these turn like if you're familiar with these, you can catch someone when they're starting to go down that path and go, okay, how do I how do they pull them back? The best example being, I mean, last week we spent a lot of time talking about kingmaking because it essentially, we actually had it happen in the tournament. We had someone give a player with nine points support for the throne in the tournament. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's had the uproar that it's had, but but at the end of the day, it is part of the board game that we play. And, and so it's not something anyone considered they would have to think about, but obviously it's one thing we have to, like, have strategies to work against. How do we stop someone from from maybe doing that. I don't know if there's an answer to that question, but let's get it out of the way real quickly. First on your list is kingmaking. We've had an entire episode about kingmaking. We had a huge discussion last week about kingmaking. I don't know. Are there any things that are left unsaid about kingmaking that are worth bringing up here? Well, honestly, I haven't heard enough uh, responses to the, uh, the very important question we all find ourselves in right now politically in our uh-huh. lives, of which course. is the Texas rule. And should it be, uh, <laughs> should, should it be adopted? Follow the Texas rule? Yeah. And I'm so glad uh, hear- I, that one caught on so quickly. Everybody's oh, just man. like Texas rule, Texas rule. But <laughs> I want to hear, I, I, I need more. I, I need more from people. Cause honestly, it's, it's really, it's really hard to call. I've actually heard a decent number of people say like, no, they're, I don't think you actually need the yeah. Texas rule. I think right. you just need to be aware that king making can happen. But let's give the quick definition, right? Yeah. Let's give Jada's definition <laughs> as, as written on November 7th, 2017. <laughs> When a player is in a losing situation and has the power to decide the winner, this may not be objectionable when the power arises organically through gameplay, but may be problematic when it arises through other metagame actions. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, kingmaking, I think, is the most... has the widest spectrum of any of these terms, right? Because, like, Mm -hmm. you could consider... You can consider doing a point-for-point point swap round one, kingmaking, if you wanted to. Like, in the grand scheme of things, you could be like, you just let him have that third technological uh, technology specialty planet. You just let him have it, because you were going to trade for it, and whatever. You, like, a player could try to make an argument that that is kingmaking. Sure. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have, I gave a player support for the throne as their tenth point. I mean, that right. obviously there is right, but that room between those things. Right, but that one's Right. I still cannot believe we are still at this place where every time we talk about king making, you bring up this idea that there are a million little moments that could have been. No, I know. And, I, and what I'm saying is I agree that not all like what I'm saying is different players draw the lot, like yeah. call it king making at a different point. Sure. I'm giving the softest end of that. Right. Almost mm-hmm. nobody would consider a point for point swap in round two king making. Yeah. But that is in the same scope of discussion and so somebody somewhere you know would call giving a point for point in round three uh a king making probably sure but then there are so um, many games that people have won and one of their points was the the point swap they did at, at mm-hmm. round two so i mean there's just right. which i guess i mean it was king making them but it's just it's a weird situation when if we're talking about the point swap where it's just like, okay, so did they king make each other potentially? But then yeah. only one of them was oh, actually made. Oh king. man, I, I feel I feel it happening. It's it's happening again. Uh-huh. We're going. I didn't down even want to bring it up. Flushing like, down the toilet. I was bowl. like, hey, shouldn't shouldn't we take it out? Shouldn't we not even talk about this one? <laughs> Jada, please please get us on to <laughs> the second well, definition. Right, I think when I, when does king making become moody? You know, when you're talking about king making so much okay. that now it's moody. Right. 
So let's talk about mooting. Let's let's just let's describe what mooting is. Mooting is when a player sulks, whines, pouts, and or mopes in an effort to redirect attacks or otherwise increase their game standing. I think mooting has a spectrum too. There's there's a level of mooting that uh, you know we could we could say is what what I've accused you of doing, Hunter, before, right? Is oh, like for sure. You you undersell yourself and your ability to win. Um, in fact, there's a later on in this forum thread, uh, a player gave uh, a user Talon said offered this suggestion of we could we could give a new one called But I'm weak. This is also fairly common where the player bemoans his position on the board and continually points out how bad he is doing and that he's not in contention. So no one needs to do anything to hinder them. And this is often accompanied by Oh wow, I won. How did that happen? Yeah, um, I, I do. So, I do that a lot, but I usually lose. I don't win. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, so I think there's a spectrum with mooting. I think on one side of the continuum, you have the emotion, like the, yeah. the actual whininess, yes. uh, the actual mopiness. And then on the, on the other hand, you have the kind of like, how much does this line up with um, the actual board state? Right. Uh, and it's funny because mooting can be like very, I've seen people mood and I have probably mooted in situations where this is not, uh, backed up by the board state at all. So it's not yeah. really going to redirect anything or change anything. But there are times where one player uh, is really getting a lot of heat thrown at them and it's pr- it's being moody or whatever, throw- injecting that little bit of emotion, which is probably real. I'm not saying people are like faking it. Um, no, right. They, they are actually disappointed. But being um, whiny, basically, and then saying yeah. so-and-so really is really getting away with this, I mean, we've all seen so many games right. where, oh, looks like the person who won was the only one that never got attacked in yeah, any right. way, you know? Um, so there, I think there is a certain... Mooting is interesting because I think it's more about how you executed it and where you fall on that um, that continuum of emotion versus... I mean, like I think sometimes people get too emotional about the game and yes. then it just kind of sucks. Um, and I have definitely done that to people and it's documented you know (laughs) it's out there i forget which stream it is but the one where i lose a friend in front of everybody (laughs) god in the internet um so that there's that what what i love about mooting that points out kind of for all of these metagame things is that i think with every single one of these metagame considerations you can do it intentionally and you can do it unintentionally like you can be mm-hmm. very literally just mooting because you're actually mad and you don't right. actually see your path to victory and you are pissed about it. You you have you just got gutted really hard and you're just like, well, that's my whole game. Great. Okay, thanks a lot, everyone. <laughs> Fine. Guess I'll just right. leave. I don't know. But like there are plenty of times where someone does that and they throw up their arms, but they know full well that they have two very accomplishable secret objectives and a stage two that they can like, you know, they know that they're fine, but they want to get the heat off their back. Right. And it's, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's so funny to me that people have taken what is a real emotion that others have felt in games and co-opted it for their own strategic benefit. Well, it happens naturally though, because you've got your twilight Imperium is in your brain and you're really trying to win 
And so you feel an emotion and you just throw that right at winning, baby. You just like, (laughs) this is, you feel anything and you're just like, you, I feel like you naturally just incorporate it and your strategy a lot of times without thinking. I think that's where a lot of this meta stuff comes from (laughs) is that basically when people play TI, they play with their heart and their soul and their body. Can I I throw this? Can I throw something out there? In the history of competition, there are many quotes that get thrown out by by famous athletes and and sports presenters and those those quotes go down in history you miss 100% of the shots you don't take Wayne uh-huh. Gretzky <laughs> and today we got throw your emotions at winning Hunter Donaldson <laughs> oh, I like it it's real though it's that's Throw- real <laughs> That's a real thing people do in this game. This game gets people to do that frequently. There's there's a side uh, a corollary to this in mooting where it's where you're not mooting you know just for yourself but also mooting on behalf of someone else. And I was playing a game with Alex, who you've had on the program before. Yeah. And um, I was eliminated. I was muat, and you know Sar crushed me, knocked me out of the game. And Alex, bless his heart, he was he was mooting for me. I mean, he was he was telling the table, this is. So unjustified what happened to John Page. This is just wrong. We must stand together to stop Sar. It, it was the noblest thing. I, you know, my heart just swelled with pride. You know? I can hear him doing that. Yeah, I can. Hear the audacity of what you've all done today. I will never forgive or forget what has happened here. Yeah. Yeah, he has a, a kind of a bureaucratic <laughs> voice. I feel like when yeah. he's playing, almost like a like a tax collector, um, and I could totally right. hear him being like, "This we, this is untenable. We cannot stand for this." <laughs> yeah, Sar was unmoved. He he was just like so. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I I've got this one. I feel like mooting leads really well into another one you've got here. Grudging mm-hmm. when a player engages in mutually detrimental conflict for reasons outside of the scope of the game. He owes me ten dollars. So I'm going to attack his fleet and teach him a lesson. Um, and, and grudging, I mean, you've really made a, a key point in grudging here. And I want to compare that to your uh, definition of what you call going nuclear. Mm-hmm. Which is when a player decides to disregard one's personal standing in the game to simply destroy or harm another player's chances of winning. Generally, this is done in response to another player's actions in game. The purpose could be spiteful revenge or for sending a message for future games. But in general, the idea, I mean, we hear this sort of threat all the time, right? Like, I'm going to throw my game and destroy you. But I I like that there's a distinguishing factor between for in-game reasons and for out-of-game reasons. Oh, right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I have I, definitely I, successfully gone nuclear in games and won them, because I think, because, because of going I gone nuclear. <laughs> I went nuclear. Yeah. Because I looked them in the eyes and really convinced them that I was like, you know what? If you do this, it's going to take me so far out of the running that I, that my only, we're, it's like round two, you know? Right. I got a lot of time to just make sure you don't win. Um, right. I've actually confused as to whether going nuclear is a good strategy. Uh-huh. Because I think it happens too often. I think it people does have gotten people have gotten to where they're ju- they just say it no matter what and it's starting to lose its meaning to me. Yes. There are there are a few players who are definitely famous for just like every game they're like that's it I'm I'm throwing everything I got at you if you do this and it's I I feel like everyone just needs to be more willing to call the bluff because I think more often than not it's not actually gonna. Ha- it's not gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, because be you're pretty much throwing your game. If you're going nuclear, right. you're you're losing, and, and you're right. making someone else lose. 
Yes. Um, yeah. Actually, that's a good point, Hunter, or uh, Jada, to, to say against what Hunter was just saying, which is, I think the distinct point of going nuclear is you cannot win. Going nuclear means you did not win. If you right. won, it means you did something else. I don't know what that is called. I don't know what, like, freaking out on someone and, and like, <laughs> hurting them, but then still ending up with a win. I don't know how that even happens or what that should be called. But going nuclear is very much like, I no longer care about victory points. I care about taking everything you have and hold dear in this world and, and removing it from existence. Yeah. But this could be really effective, especially in a group where it's the same group of people that play every time. Right. Yeah, it's right. like it's one of those things that works, I think, a lot better as a local thing. Yeah. Um, but the second I think once I started playing on TTS, like the whole nuclear thing kind of fell out as like something I would ever say that I would do just right. because I, do, I don't feel like in that culture that. Well, first of all, that really people even respect the idea at all. Because you're not going to play with them again, so why do they care? You know right, what I mean? Like, right, right. It's almost like, a, all right, well, let's see if you do this. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, because you, you might not succeed. A lot of people threaten going nuclear with really, with not necessarily a path right. to do it, to actually right. stop another player. Yeah, right. that's always the funniest moment. When, like, you just had your home system taken out, and, like, you have one carrier left on the board, and you're like, I'm going to throw everything I've got at you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, okay. dear. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. you've got you, me now. <laughs> he's got me on the ropes. Kind of needs um, to be credible, uh, you know. To, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it needs to be a muat with the war sun surviving to, right. to be right. to be possible. I think um, what's, what's gross is when going nuclear is what led to the king making situation. Now right. that is to me that, that sucks. That's that's the worst. I think that actually kind of describes the the uh, game that happened in the tournament. Now that I think about it, that that that's right. like because then that just makes it well. This is this is dirty because this is literally right. someone going nuclear and giving someone else the game. Right. Um, yeah. It, because they weren't able to stop that person, they were just able well, to make so someone else. Win. I feel like at the end of all of this, when we have all these terms in our arsenal, I, we'll have a new way to define what happened in game eighteen. Because I feel like there are lots of terms that's that true. apply to this thing and, and that's maybe why i feel like the more terms you add onto the list the more people go i don't like this no i really don't like this i mean when if we have like six different terms we can apply to the situation in game 18 that explains why so many people are kind of like not into what happened because it's well because it's six different versions of metagaming that people can have varying levels of comfort with right. so you've increased the chances 600 percent or whatever like right. of, of nobody being into that um so so the next one that is I think I think this next one is one of our last ones that is like something we see really really often uh which is or get gets accused really often maybe I, I think a lot of these terms we see less than we hear people say we see yeah yeah we, which they, is they get uh, talked about more as a potential but not necessarily happen right. all the time uh kneecapping which kind of feeds mm -hmm. directly into all this conversation about going nuclear and king making which is kneecapping when a player engages in game actions that result in eliminating another player's chances of victory during the course of a game the motivation may or not be related to reasons outside the scope of the game different from going nuclear in that the player may still be attempting to win the game so kneecapping is sort of i guess what we would call what hunter was saying earlier which is like i'm gonna gut you but i'll still be in contention versus going nuclear is i i give up and i'm destroying you but i, I think a certain level of kneecapping exists I, I think when i try to define king making as something that can happen at any point in the game i think that applies more to kneecapping than it does to king making you can kneecap someone 
round two with an action that seemed somewhat innocuous, right? Mm -hmm. And that can ruin mm -hmm. someone's game in ways that they have no idea of. Um, but to kneecap someone in round seven is can be a lot more insane of a thing. And it's also something we see more often, though, right? Because, like, the whole goal of everyone in the final round is to kneecap whoever looks like they're about to win. That's, like, the whole... Right. That's what T every game of TI devolves into a mobbing and kneecapping game. We'll go over mobbing later, but like this is this is what almost every end game TI final round is all about. I'm going to put something forward. I actually feel like because of um well, mobbing is yeah, mobbing actually is different cuz it's not necessarily within the scope of the game, but yeah. uh kneecapping, I feel like to me there is a big difference in my brain of like an early kneecap versus a late kneecap like a late kneecap right. i don't care about and it's uh it's something that's like that's definitely going to happen an early kneecap um i actually just think it's cool when people even find ways to do it because honestly it's pretty difficult most of the time yeah, um there are some factions that you know it's a little more common to see them kneecapped like arborek i feel like is the most common that we right. see um but I mean, it can it can happen to anyone. But I feel like a lot of these terms that we've been talking about, like going nuclear and grudging, have like a a negative connotation to them in my mind because it's going to involve somebody being really like um, yeah. kneecapping. A lot of times when I see someone do it, I'm just like, wow, I'm, I can't believe you even found it. Like I can't right. believe you mm -hmm. found the way to do it. And a lot of times I'm just like, wow, that player is cool. Like yeah. it's it's very different from going nuclear. Going nuclear to me is like a lesser player or not necessarily a lesser player, but a player that got caught on the shorter end of the stick, looking at the player with the advantage of being like, Ugh, I'm going to do whatever I, I can to hurt yeah. you. Whereas kneecapping is a player found some leverage on somebody else and used it to just push them off into the water. Basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what yeah, could I be think it's kneecapping to one person could be, uh, it, it could vary. You know, it's not necessarily, seen as kneecapping from one perspective to the other, you know, yeah. the person who gets kneecapped right. might feel like, Oh my gosh, you, you totally ruined all of my plans. Whereas the person that did it thought, well, no, I just needed this planet. I need one. Yeah. That yeah. happens all the time where it's like, I need one thing. I'm sorry. It, it it's going to crush you, but like, it's a really small thing to me, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, like I, my, my, I had a game just this past weekend where they weren't even doing it intentionally. Like it, it I, I wouldn't call it kneecapping, but I had two agendas back to back that completely devastated my standing in the game. It felt like the game was over to me. Mm -hmm. It ended up not being. I did I did fine in the game. I, I ended up winning it somehow. But the point being, the players had to do what they did because they were also trying to stop the Jolnar, who was technically ahead of me. It just so happened that in hurting Jolnar, they were completely crushing me. So yeah. I, I agree with that that kind of perspective of like kneecapping can take a million different forms and and honestly I just think kneecapping is like what the core strategy of TI is. I almost think it becomes not even a metagame consideration. I think kneecapping is the closest thing to like no, kneecapping is is certainly a part of TI and the strategy you have to undertake to to ever win. Like if sure. you don't kneecap at least once in every game, I don't really see how you can win or, or mm -hmm. maybe not you personally but if you don't see at least one kneecap in a game i don't know how you are playing ti like i, I feel just, like that happens in i guess game. what i'm saying is i kind of wish that maybe we had two terms here one for right. that, that late game stuff is very different because generally you do it with the tables backing um, right 
You don't. If really I'm going to call it own. kneecapping, I'm thinking about it in the early game. That's certainly yeah. a thing. If it's in yeah, the late like, game, it's it's just the late game pile up. I don't know, but but in yeah. the early game, yeah. If it's if it's before round four, that's when it's defined as kneecapping to me. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's generally one player figured out something they could do to the other player, or like yeah, or their needs didn't like their needs did not map, match up in a way that is really detrimental to only one of them, basically. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Well, let's get into some of the weirder terms because this, uh, these are all the obvious ones, right? These are the ones we've talked about ad nauseum and, and like everybody knows to bring these up. But I think this list gets a lot more interesting from here on out because mm -hmm. we're, we're going to get into like things that probably you don't see as often, but are certainly aspects we have all seen at least once. Yeah. Uh, the first oh, I've one seen being all of this at least one time, I would say. Yeah. Uh, leaguing or cross gaming, mm -hmm. which you've defined as when players form an alliance outside the scope of a game. For example, a husband and wife pair who never attack each other despite being on opposite sides of a competitive map. Now, Jada, I just want to ask you, what is the name of this husband and wife that you are clearly specifically <laughs> referring to? <laughs> Please yeah, call no, them no, out no. publicly. <laughs> I won't say the names publicly publicly but uh, definitely <laughs> there's th there was a game of king of tokyo and there was a, a husband and wife pair that uh you know in that game it's kind of king of the hill you have to attack the person that's oh, that's in wow. the center and yeah. they didn't attack each other and what they would do is they would they would high five each other and say team johnson or whatever you know whatever their name oh is. gosh every time yeah. it, it was so aggravating and annoying and you're just like <laughs> and yeah in looking for a name for this, I, I was doing some research, and this actually comes from the game Diplomacy, and a lot of okay. Diplomacy games ban this type of, of metagame behavior. They don't allow people to league or cross-game cross, cross game, uh, outside the game because it gives the, hmm. the player such an advantage. So, yeah. um, but this, this, I know that I've seen this in TI, this, uh, it, it happens, you know, someone's bringing their friend or, you know, the, their buddy that doesn't know how to play very well, and or someone mm -hmm. else and you know yeah it can be it can well, be frustrating what's interesting to me about this one is you've defined it mostly as an alliance but i, I want to offer up the flip side of that which is when i uh first moved to portland actually when ti4 first came out and hunter and i were like starting to play ti a lot again in portland we were bringing in a lot of different people um, but the one thing that seemed to remain true in every single game was that no matter what hunter and i were against each other <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think it has to just be alliances, but I think there's some leaguing and cross gaming that certainly happens with players, which is like, I will never under any circumstances allow that player to win. If, nemesis if, if, or something. And that's for a long yeah. time. Yeah, nemesis <laughs> is sort of maybe a, a different definition for the same thing. But I, I mean, I know our friend Sean certainly has this approach to gaming when it's with me. If he can just prevent me from winning, it is a victory <laughs> in his books. He's he's like that with anybody though. Like he, he I feel like Sean just like spins like spins a little the roulette. Wheel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he just spins something and he's like, "You know what? It's cuz I mean, I've I've been that person the first right. holiday exactly. spectacular. He was yeah. just like arbitrary not arbitrary, but well, I mean it was fairly arbitrary. A lot of the <laughs> stuff he was saying and doing uh, and I was just the bad guy and he's playing a little movie in his head where he's yeah. the hero and you I'm the bad his girlfriend. guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's what happened. Um, I think I, I have seen a lot of people do this, uh, actually on TTS and off. Um, it's just a lot of times the way it, you, it, it's, it doesn't call a lot of attention to itself, but sometimes you just kind of realize like, Oh, these two know each other. And now right. that I think about it, they haven't done a single thing to each other in any yeah. way. 
And they I mean, didn't you know, know what? I'll, I'll be I'll be honest. Uh, Connor and I did this the year we went to Gen Con and competed in the oh, Gen Con. Oh wow! We weren't we weren't <laughs> doing it like that intentionally, you know. But there was obvious there there was certainly like an understood notion of like. First off, we went to Gen Con together that year, not knowing each other that well. We had known each other for like maybe six months, maybe. And so it was already sort of like, this is this guy that I'm kind of, like, I kind of know, but I wouldn't call us, like, great friends yet. And it certainly wouldn't do that friendship any favors if we went to this convention and I knocked him out of the tournament. Like, right, right. So there, there was You'd definitely have to drive an understood home level. Like, you would have to yeah. drive home. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's, but that's understandable. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not even, I don't even think it's the worst thing. Like no. once you lay out all the details, it's like but that, no, I'm not I, gonna I eliminate bet it would have been if any of the other players had like noticed or paid attention to that. I'm sure it would have annoyed them to be like, "Hey, those two guys showed up together, and they are not attacking each other or doing anything to get in each other's way. They're not like giving each other like free money or anything, but they're certainly not doing anything to hurt each other. And that you know that 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 would suck in a competitive atmosphere. Yeah. I want this actually gives me an idea because I think sometimes I feel like and and I'm sure a lot of people would disagree with us, but I I feel like sometimes people cross game a little bit against me and you just because yeah. we have the show or whatever, because we talk yep. about this every week and it's like fun. And and people people play it up like they are. They'll at least talk like, oh, like I've seen people like like when I started the the Twitch stream, like the first comment was somebody being like, Oh, I hope Hunter loses. Uh, yeah and it's just like oh yeah that's arbitrary gee thanks but what about this what if we did a stream where me and you cross game against the other four and the other four are welcome to cross game against us yeah exactly and it's like they're all welcome to work against us but we are absolutely working together right right and 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 we can just claim the win for each other you know like as long as one of the two of us win then we win okay i'm game bring it on good brotherhood Yeah, the 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 cross game, the cross game stream, that'll be a thing. That'll totally be a thing. So this next one is uh, something I feel like Hunter. It, this is on like the on the edge of what you might accuse me of, but I think yeah. there's there's a few different terms in here that fall in line with the same thing. So I kind of want to find out where where I fall in this spectrum. Be- but before the next you is, read it, I I just want to yeah. say I, I you are definitely not like you have never this. done this to you've never done this to the letter of the law. Um, right. There is, I think, another thing that you do that is slightly different than this, but go ahead. Uh, this is minioning. When a player manipulates a younger or less experienced player with purported helpful advice with the true purpose of advancing their own standing in the game. Yeah. We had a play of the week recently that was more or less this, right? I mean, it was mm-hmm. the, the play of the week was the the smart player giving them good advice that just so happened to also do exactly what they needed to win the game yeah. themselves. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, honestly, I think this is one of those things that like, th- there's a spectrum to it. Um, yep. And there's a lot of stuff that I think is fine that can fall under the umbrella of minioning. But right. then it, on that one side of the spectrum where it's really bad, I think it's, I think it's an awful thing to do. I think it's very yeah. bad etiquette. I think it's, I think minioning can be worse than king making. But I don't think if I've, I don't think I've ever seen somebody take it to that level. You know, well, like, it's I don't, kind I of don't... an informal thing when it d- is happening, though. It's, yeah, like I have seen people do it. Matt, we had a game where someone did that, basically. Do you I don't remember recall that. No, um, when we had my friend. Uh, Oh, what was it? Um, 
it was and it wasn't even just one person that was trying to do it yeah i remember it was my friend Lacey was playing with us and it felt oh. like there were a couple people that were trying to right okay right right so there was there was sort of a let me show you the ropes here mm-hmm. my little padawan right and, yes and yeah i do remember that kind of game where it felt very much like they were getting the better end of teaching the newer players I, i've seen yes. it happen too when you know they have someone has a significant other that's not you know, not really into the game, and then that that player right. is, you know, directing them. And you know what? Honestly, Hunter, we have a bigger story from our TI three days of yep. Alex. I know having that with his his then girlfriend that he for some reason convinced <laughs> to play TI three despite her having very much no interest in most board games, but she was an incredibly nice person. She was very and decided. Sweet. She was like, "Yeah, I want to do. I want to. I want to do the things that that you enjoy doing. So I'll be a part of it if you want me there." And of course, you know, did not have a fun time. Did not enjoy the experience. Was not in the realm of things she enjoys doing. And instead, she just was minioned <laughs> the whole time. Like her mm-hmm. whole experience was being minioned. And I think Hunter, you even in the past have expressed that like you were in a situation where you kind of either needed to minion her or not. Here's the thing, though. The game in question uh, is, this is another angle on the infamous uh, <laughs> Butt Brothers game. This is a, yes. a, a, a Butt Brothers uh, game story. Um, she was uh, my neighbor. Um, and this was Butt Brothers that this happened? This was the Butt Brothers game, and I was playing wow. as I Necro. I didn't think these were the same game. All right, yeah, continue. No, I was playing as Necro. She was playing as Muat. Muat. So no. I had a reason to be aggressive early to get, because uh, you could get the the War Sun tech off of Muat in those days. Yeah. Um, and so I went and uh, and I I gitzed it. Um, however, because Sean and Jack and Alex formed the Butt Brothers Coalition, um, it was it did become it did feel like it became necessary uh, to do a little bit of minioning. Um, right. on our end of the table because basically they had formed uh, the most arbitrary alliance of all time. Um, <laughs> they they successfully made SAR uh, TI4 level vi- viable, yeah. basically, right. by right. just giving Protecting Sean him. so much uh, leeway. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I don't know, I, th- I, think, I think minioning really sucks. I definitely feel that, yeah, that situation has probably happened a lot with significant others. Um, it's mostly just because, like, you know, like, you're in a relationship with somebody. Uh, you, like, they want you to do this thing. Generally, people that are into TI are not into TI a little bit. They're into it a lot of bit. Um, right. I think we can all <laughs> attest to that. Um, yeah. As the, us on the show and every single person listening to this right now, I think right. I kind of, we kind you of have you dead the, to rights. You are you in probably the definition like of you like it a lot. Yeah. Like, we kind of got you there. You know, like, if yeah, if you're hearing this at all, like, yeah, you gotcha. Um, you do like this game. Uh so it's generally really important to people. So I totally get someone being in a relationship and being like, well, I'll just play. Because the thing is, too, you, if you've never played a hardcore strategy game before, you hear board game, maybe you're thinking yep. like, oh, like maybe it's like Catan, but like a little more, you know, a little more complicated. Right. Or like Monopoly, right. but a little more complicated. And then once you're in a game of TI, you're in it. You can't walk out. You, right. there's, so much social, there's so much social pressure not to walk out on a yep. game of Twilight Imperium. There is a lot. Agreed. I feel it's some, like, I'll be like, and I, I I talk about this game every week, and there are games I've played where I'm like, I just, I, Can I, just I wish go? I could just go. <laughs> I wish I could just go, you know? 
why can't I just I, go? I, I think minioning links up, and, and maybe this is where, Hunter, you, you brought up there's another term that probably applies a little bit more to, to maybe what I do, which is coaching or puppet mastering. Sure. Um, and that's when an outside observer offers a particular player tips, stratagems, and other useful information to their advantage. So this is sort of combining the two, right? This is saying, like, and I'm going to combine this to even more things, but but to be the coach is to be the the like i don't know like in this context coaching is saying i'm not even actually playing i am not here and i have this this is what like the tts um discord has banned right that on there if you come in you're allowed to come and hang out and watch games but basically if you talk in the voice chat that's a problem yeah um so that's to avoid coaching and puppet mastering but Mm -hmm. i feel like you can kind of link minioning and coaching into this weird other actually man there's so many different territories these two terms like cross over in Mm -hmm. but but just from a single player's perspective the player who's like kind of designated as like i'm teaching this game to everyone so now i have this weird thing that i hold over all of you which is that i control the flow of information i control what you understand about this game yeah i think I, i have an important point i feel like to make an important distinction because i feel like this is another one of those things where, yeah, it's, it's, it's all about spectrums, and we don't see a lot of the really intense stuff. Something I feel like we do see plenty is what I would call like selective coaching or selective mm-hmm. educating, um, where players um, are very keen to uh, remind newer players about rules that don't necessarily conflict with their own personal game. Right. Um, an easy example would be like, Let's say uh, I've been really good about reminding people uh, to new players to fire their PDS as long as I'm not the one moving. And then the second right. I move into a, a, a hex that, yeah, actually, you the could shoot PDS there. Stop. That somehow the reminders are just gone. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, oh, I mean, I'm, I'm not teaching you this game. I'm, you know, I'm, we're playing against each other. Um, so that... It, and I think that it's weird. When I put it in that way, it almost feels like, oh, it's kind of fair. I mean, like, I'm I'm actually, especially after the tournament, really starting to fall into the place of, like, it's nobody else's fault when you forget a thing or, like, yeah. a rule or anything. It's nobody right. else's fault. Like, it, you, you really do have to, half of the game is just keeping up knowing with what the, the rules heck is going and, on right. and applying them. So I don't think that this type of selective education is necessarily, like, unfair uh i i think it's just kind of part of the game Um, right but i definitely feel like it's a matter of it's an honor thing i love it when i see somebody that uh is actually teaching someone to play a game and they are actually calling out something that is bad for them i do always note that and i'm like that is that's an honorable player right there right well and you've you've also this is bringing up another term that jada peik has here which is um fluxing uh, I'm wondering, Jada, is that is that a term that you're pulling straight from the card game Flux, or is, am I not aware of Flux being like a broader term that applies to other things? No, no, that no, that's Great. that's from the game Flux. So that's, yeah, the, that's your definition game. there being when a player identifies obscure game rules only when it is advantageous for them, while ignoring or forgetting the same rule at other times when it would be disadvantageous. Um, and Hunter, you're giving like a really broad example, but I, I think fluxing is one that annoys me and, and like can lead to weird coaching and puppet mastering. So on on uh, our Space Cats Peace Turtles Discord, we have a channel called the Twilight Imperium Rule Hell um, because I am completely fed up with people 
making really weird edge case scenario rulings on things for like stuff that never comes up or like is really gross misinterpretations of rules. And like, you know, now we're in this weird situation where we have a lot of emails from Dane Beltrami about like mm-hmm. different rulings he's given and some of them conflict with each other and some of them are just really, really weird edge cases that you would never know about unless you were in that situation. And I think part of flexing then becomes like people who literally like there are a select few people that keep up with those rulings very, very diligently and have the power to use those rulings over other people right? to their advantage. And that's kind of like the extra level of fluxing that exists here, which is just like people that have such an intense grasp of the rules that they know things that they can do. Here, The, the best example I have here is the fact that for whatever reason, a Clan of Sar space dock can avoid PDS fire, which means you can, send, you can send a Clan of Sar space dock into a system with no ships, but with PDS, avoid PDS fire, and then invade the planets. Mm-hmm. Which, how are you ever going to think that up unless you know <laughs> that that question has been asked and answered in that way? Right. Like, right. there's no way to come to that right. conclusion, but a, a proper fluxer knows that they can get away with these weird, stupid behaviors. Uh, and and I, it's it's probably the the metagame thing that frustrates me the most is these kind of really weird rules like FAQ mastery basically yeah well and just like stuff like that well, it feels like is not like the i don't know I, I i'm not dane but i feel like the space dock thing is just like a like i don't think that was the intention i don't think the intention was for the space docks to be like stealth bombers right i think there's just, just like no other option without breaking everything out like that's a weird side effect of all the other ways a space dock needs to be able to operate. Yeah. Basically. You were about to say something, Jada? Yeah, I was going to say that, that that it also kind of gets into the litigating and filibustering. Yes. Where people w- will take the rules and, you know, and debate a particular rule uh, to the point where everyone at the table is just like, no, I don't God, care please, anymore. Just end yeah, this. yeah, exactly. Put <laughs> yeah, me out of my yeah. misery and just I don't care. Do the stupid <laughs> thing you say you can allegedly do. Get me out of right. this t- half an hour. And yeah, we've all been there. I feel like at least once into twi- especially in like everyone's early days when sometimes it's a rule that's not even like that edge case, but it's just like your group has never come across it before and someone's got to dig through the rule book for 15 minutes. I mean, I think we very early on just decided as a group that we would be okay with calling a shot in in the moment. Like, we're not going to sit here and look up a rule for 20 minutes. The owner of the board game gets to make a call as long as, like, there's somewhat of a consensus that, you know, it's not like, as the owner of the game, I usually got to be the final say as long as everyone else was leaning in either, like, I don't get to make the opposite call of what everyone else is thinking, but if it's like a split decision, all right, Matt owns the game. We're playing at Matt's house. You you make the call, kind of thing. But but to avoid Have this litigating ever... metagame problem, yeah, we we had to just like decide that one person had final say. Have you guys ever had the the instance where it, the hostility over litigating just breaks out over a particular rule so badly that people just want to fight? Um, or the game devolves into like physical violence. Is it, has that ever come up for you guys? I don't know. Sounds like you've got a pretty wily group there, Jada. <laughs> no, not not in recent memory. But I've I've seen online some people have mentioned that you know their their group you know they'll they'll consume some beverages and you know it, it'll get pretty right. heated with uh, 
with, with some of the rules and yeah i mean i i think uh, depending on what a person is trying to get away with too is where it's like not it, it can be seen as not a big deal versus you know the much and and honestly too i think litigating and filibustering leads a little bit too into like why we ended up doing um a one mulligan rule too right like there's oh, yeah. there's litigating and there's rule stuff and then there's sometimes stuff where it's just like ah i forgot to do a thing that like i was just supposed to do you know there there are plenty of things components in the game that are not may they are must you are supposed to do the thing right, or get right. the thing or whatever and if you forgot to do it, you're left in this weird state of limbo of like, what am I, you know, and I, I never know how to consider those things from a metagame perspective. This gets into the whole question that we had recently about just for us moderating, but also as a whole in gaming, like at what point are other players supposed to step in and remind people of things, you know? Mm -hmm. So with fluxing, if one person knows all the rules, that's one thing, but if four people knows the, know the rules, at what point are all of those four players obligated to step in and like make a call versus like, Oh, this one doesn't affect me. Maybe I'll just sit it out and let them, you know, figure out things themselves. I, yeah. I don't know. It, it gets really dodgy really fast. I don't know. I, I don't know how much you're obligated. I think that would be a little right. bit weird if I'm, if I'm obligated to remind you to do your must thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, and I don't know that it's actually, I was actually thinking through, through all, what we've been talking about i think it's kind of a shame that we all have so much access now um, uh -huh. and because th there is no more like our like people people really want the actual answer like they they yeah. want to email dane and get right. a little bit of dane's time for dane to rule on this one specific thing and i do think it is kind of a shame that it like that 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 exists that that exists and that like i think it it is a better system for there to just be like there is an arbitrary person that is supposed to decide, right. basically. I, well, I'm not even talking about that's a That's what the living but... rules reference is supposed to be, right? Like for right. us in TI3, we had the FAQ and then all of the errata over the course of the multiple expansions, mm -hmm. right? But beyond that, like if there wasn't an answer, then you made your own up. Like you right. just, that's what you had to do. You mm -hmm. had to give yourself an answer. Um, and, I, and so obviously we have living rules reference 1.1, but there's a lot of questions that haven't been included in a 1.2 yet. And so until that comes out, like, we're in this weird state of limbo. But, like, when 1.1 when came out, I, at least for me, it felt like, okay, cool. A lot of that stuff is is done and set aside and, and it all makes sense now. But it didn't seem like it took that long before it was like, oh, uh-oh, there's... There are still lots of uh, right. Well, I mean, yeah, pe things. people never stop playing, and they keep finding There's weird a... stuff. I want to say something right. for the record before we move too far away from this. Um, for the TI rule hell thing, just because I have seen it too many times, you can't shoot your PDS can't shoot at your own stuff. Okay, yeah, that's the dumbest. And, and okay, I, and here's the if thing: I, though, if I'm gonna and, have a soapbox, I want to say why too. I want to say oh, why man. because I said so. Because <laughs> I said so. Because I say that that is not. The point of the game at all yeah. that is so yeah. out of sync with what is even if you had to explain story wise the, what right. is happening that right. they are able we to have to shoot. turn their greatest fleets to dust well it's time to kill commander shepherd right yeah and we're gonna <laughs> like, blow up commander shepherd and then we get a medal for that yeah for 
Something that is illegal. We do. We murder our own people. Right. It does, this makes no sense. I, I hate it, and I hate it with so many of the other interactions. And there's some of them that have even like begun to be proven as like legal play, right? Like, uh, maybe you can play unstable planet on your own planet. All of those interactions. If if you think to yourself, "Ooh, what if I used it this way?" I want to sell you right now. No, don't. You don't get to. <laughs> If you're playing at my table and you come up with some weird cockamamie way to do some action card, I disagree with your interpretation, and it's stupid that you think you should be able to get away with that. You are a munchkin. Okay, well, wait, the, well, wait. Hold up, hold up. I'm hold on up. a soapbox now. Hold up. Hold, hold, hold. Unstable planet on yourself, though, depending on the context. Don't. No, it this could is be a good horrible. Play. How could you do this to me, Hunter? Unstable Planet is the one where you, you were lose the chosen ground forces, one. right? You, you, you lose you ground forces, right? So let's say, but let's say, Matt, let's say, for instance, that somebody is going to get the bombardment secret off of you unless you could kill your own <laughs> ground forces. Now, that's spicy. That's hey, just Hunter. good. Hey, Hunter, that's... go ahead and justify that one in the fiction to me. Sir, uh, so what? Sir, they're they're approaching with many dreadnoughts oh, with but, with bombardment thrusters fully but online. What's happening All right. when you play Unstable Planet? Let's get the machete the out. Right way. So are you saying that that in, in the fiction of Twilight Imperium that when I play Unstable Planet against another player, I have somehow taken control of the atmosphere of that planet and made it the weather yes. unstable? Apparently, How have I done that? In what way have I done that? Do I have a I weather don't know. machine? <laughs> Then you don't get to use your. This is. I'm dying. I need to be pulled from this horrible place I'm in. Draw I think unstable planet on yourself. Totally fine. Uh, hang on. All right. All right. Here we go. It's one v one, but we've got three people in the room. Jada okay. Pake. Rule on unstable planet on yourself. Uh, you know, I, I think you can play it on yourself. Yes. Yes. I think no. you can play it on yourself. I I think it would make sense in, in a very specific context, but. But, but the, I think the, you have to explain it. You have you have to you have to give an in-universe explanation as to, as to why. <laughs> Ooh, like, I love okay, that. I'll take, I love I'll take that. that. All dumb plays have to be justified with <laughs> mm -hmm. thematics. What? Okay, what is happening? I need there? I need to introduce I, I a like new the, term. I like the guys that that are online arguing that you know D Dane comes out with a ruling and they're like, no, I, I don't agree with that. I, I yeah. agree with Dane. <laughs> if I. I <laughs> If I have to talk to one more person on Reddit about how you are allowed to show action cards because Dane specifically said you can, and they're like, well, then that's wrong. I can't. I can't have that conversation again. I can't be pulled into that place again. I'm sorry. And you know what? I joke about it, but people get really mad at me about that point. Like right, people are, right. think I'm an absolute moron for thinking that you're allowed to show action cards to other people. Well, but I mean, that's just one of those things where it just becomes like, you know, this is... We are talking about it is a board game. Just so everyone yeah. remembers, just so the everyone's end. clear. It is like like the, these rules did they didn't find these rules somewhere, you know? <laughs> like it's not like they like discovered Twilight Imperium. Like what is this? And then and it came from on high. It was like etched no, on like a stone tablet. The dude just sat down with the word document and he wrote all the stuff. <laughs> like. <laughs> And you know what? He made. And he even mistakes. put some typos in there. Like he yeah. even messed up a few times. Like that's okay. So that's my final argument to any weird rule thing, where it's like uh, we need to think about what Dane's initial intent was. Okay. Well, at one point, hypermetabolism said 
that you need to, during the status vein, gain two command tokens instead of one. So maybe, maybe in some cases, there wasn't an original intent and some things fell by the wayside. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. that happened. Oh, I think that's very possible. We have to move on. I am dead <laughs> and I'm, I'm flushed down the toilet with this conversation. I want to talk, talk about ragging. I want to talk about pootering. <laughs> you want to talk about pootering? <laughs> Hunter with the energy we've tutoring. got right now, I want to talk about pootering. <laughs> so pootering, here's what pootering is. Pootering is when you're playing on TTS and you don't have push to talk on, on Discord <laughs> and you have to fart. Uh, and, but you feel like it's, it's coming out. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to be able to get to the push to talk option to change it to push to talk. So like now you got to kind of like try and sneak this fart out so that it does not get picked up by your You microphone. have to justify it in me in universe, right? I'm pretty sure just I like, have just like unstable planet. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm, uh, hey I have guys, farted I'm about to screen. have an uprising. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you you make some loud noise on your table and then you're in the clear. It's actually really easy to cover up, but I still have definitely uh, gotten some toots out. No, um, all right. Pootering, actually. When a player plays suboptimally by refusing to use certain game strategies because they are viewed as exploits, unfair, unthematic, or boring, can equally advantage other players in the game. This is like the most interesting one, I think, on the whole list, pootering. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think I actually don't know that I've seen too much of it though to be honest. And I, I well, do, do I think it depends on how me? I think it depends on how far you stretch the definition. <clears throat> but yeah, I, I think Jada, give me a definition of what you had in mind, and then I think I'm going to stretch the limits of what pootering could be. Yeah. So so I would say like like taking the X shot and playing a really aggressive mm -hmm, game, with right? That, you know, and someone who says no no no, this is a turtle faction. We need to. You know, be peaceful mm -hmm. and diplomatic. We can't be aggressive. Um, you know, that to me is pootering, where you refuse to do something where it might be advantageous, like right. playing an aggressive game. Or, or someone who plays as, like, the theme. Necro and is like, I have to get tech and I have to attack people and I cannot be diplomatic or, like, judicious in how I do that. I am just a big, mean, right. bad person, senseless, killing robot. And they act that way. Like, it, it kind of goes in line with you've got role-playing on here as, as a, a, another meta thing, which is just when a player intentionally plays some optimally in service of playing a thematic game rule. This can be ad, uh, uh, advantage or disadvantage to other players in the game unequally. A player who refuses to attack or fight any neighbors because uh, regardless of game state provides a safe backyard for his immediate neighbors while the neighbor's neighbors face an enhanced or focused threat. Uh, just the idea that, like, you're, you're doing things against what is best for you as a player because i mean it's the same thing as like in any other game right like like in what in in a in halo anyone who uses the rocket launcher is pooter and you know gets accused of doing something stupid so if you opt to not ever use the rocket launcher you're you're pootering it's stupid for you to to not play to, to the best of your ability and get the best things in the game right right but then what if you're role-playing as Mr. No Rocket Man that never <laughs> wants to use the rocket, and he's got a pistol, and it's his favorite pistol, and its name is Peter the Pistol? I want to stretch the definition of pootering, though. Yeah. Um, because because I, I have this whole case to be made about... I've been talking recently of like wanting to kind of master one faction. Um, like, and, and when I say master, I mean just choose one faction and get as good as I can with them to where anytime I sit down with that faction, 
all things have been considered, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing that can surprise me with that faction. I am used to any way that anyone interacts with it, and I know all of the tools that are at my disposal yeah. and how to use them to maximum capacity. Like, getting, like, unaligned Magi level with a faction. Right? Sort of, yeah. I mean, yeah. essentially, magi, like... Magi, like, Magi, Magi. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> like, Jensen is notorious for playing really with ghosts. Unaligned mm-hmm. Magi is, is notorious with trying and understanding Necro really well. And and one of the things I wanted to do was, like, you know what? I actually, I really like Jolnar, and I would like to master Jolnar. And what everyone says is, ugh, Jolnar, though. Like, what's the point of mastering the best faction in the game? That's stupid. Like, but but I feel like that ignores the point of like there are strategies that work really really well with Jolnar that if you could like manage to do those above average amount of times mm-hmm. I I, fe- I think that's mastery mm-hmm. right so like knowing the best ways to utilize research agreement rather than just like I have research agreement and it's really good let's see what I can get out of it but like knowing exactly what research agreement's value is at all moments. Uh, is something I would like to do, but what it sounds like to me, people are saying, is like I wish you would pooter with with the Jolnar. Like don't don't think of the best ways you can get good with that faction. Just play them because, and, and you should play them suboptimally because it's not fair that you're mm-hmm. playing Jolnar. The same thing happens with Hakan all the time, right? Like Hakan's only advantage is that they are given more abilities with which to deal make, yes. but they do not have any inherent economic advantages. There's nothing given to them like many other factions are given things. And so people seem to suggest that, like, you're going to hold the game up if you're Hakan and they don't want Hakan in the game. But, like, if I'm playing as Hakan, it would be pootering to do anything but try to get an advantage in every single deal at every situation that I possibly can, right? Like, I need to try to get deals with action cards, and that takes knowing lots of timing windows and, and getting in on lots of things to try to see if I can get action cards in people's hands or buy action cards off of other people that's like my only right. advantage and it's mm-hmm. stupid for me to hurt myself by not taking advantage of that ability yeah yeah but there are there are players though that that will refuse to do the optimal plays because exactly. it's it's they feel it's unthematic or it's unfair yeah well, and, and I'll go I'll go a step further than even just the unthematic stuff, but to say like like Hunter's favorite player, Unaligned Magi, he's got this he's got the math worked out, right? We mm-hmm. they he and plenty of other players have, have kind of worked it out to where essentially two resources equals three influence equals whatever amount of trade goods equals one command counter. Like all these things have a sort of cross there's a common language amongst all of them and you can kind of translate their value. And it, to me, it sounds like a lot of those players, what they do is they use that as a baseline. And, but a, a lot of times, they just try to make their deal for that value, right? Like, I'm only going to offer you fair deals, and we're, we're going to do that. But I, I think that's pootering, to only ever offer fair deals. Mm-hmm. What you should be mm-hmm. trying to do is find an opportunity where someone else needs something more than its typical value. If you need one trade good right. because that's your 10th trade good for two points, that one trade good is worth much more mm-hmm. than one trade good, oh, which right. means if I can give you one trade good, I can get a lot out of it. So I don't care that one trade good is worth one trade good in your math equation. I care what one trade good is worth right now, and I need to figure out how far I can push that. So it's time to start making deals. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, and it's, it would... it's what is the market you know, support. And I, I love that too. Right. It's, it's, you know, right. It's all about the demand right. for what that thing is at the moment. Right. Bunch uh, of capitalists in here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's, let's move on to bully ragging, which is a great name. 
Uh, when a player uses threats and intimidation outside of the scope of the game to increase their game standing. <laughs> if you attack Jord, I swear to God, I will set your car on fire. Yeah. Um, this is back to, often, to, yeah, like Jada's this is like, like weirdo land. rowdy yeah, this, crew. This is, <laughs> this is rowdy boys. No, I, I haven't actually encountered this in game, but there, there was a video that was floating around where it was a group of guys playing uh, TI4 and I think that particular threat came up where, uh, wow. <laughs> where one of the players said he was going to set set his other friend's car on fire if he attacked. So, I'm trying to imagine a scenario where this would realistically come up, like a, a genuine scenario where this one could could actually come up. Oh, but I it's, bet it's, it's such a crazy one. <laughs> like I, I I feel like the only examples are things like things that could happen to us on stream purely because it's a it's a thing with viewers you know what i mean mm -hmm. like i feel like bully ragging could happen because someone's reputation is actually actually on the line beyond just like their game and like hey these are our friends and whatever but like in the tournament especially right there there's a certain level of my reputation matters to me so these things outside of the game matter right, so i'm right. just trying to see if that falls under the window window of bully ragging of like i'm gonna do this because if i don't do this i will look weaker i will it's it doesn't exist in the game but i i need to not be it's not a threat so i don't i don't know if it really is bully ragging it's probably some other term but it makes me think of that sort of consideration right are, are how many players in our tournament chose not to gut someone in round two because they didn't want to be known as that player in the tournament yeah that's a good right point. they didn't they didn't want they didn't want to have right, that right. on their shoulders in the semifinals right but th but then yeah I, i've seen it in in other games i've seen this come up where like in a game i've been in a, a boyfriend and girlfriend are playing together and uh you know the girlfriend threatens the boyfriend if you attack me uh we're breaking Ooh, up. yeah right and i i think that that that, that encompasses the bully yeah. ragging yeah wow that's wild um, i just imagine that jada Pake plays ti in like an old west saloon <laughs> and everybody's like drinking whiskey and they're like armed to the teeth and it's just like people throwing hands like all the time just over twilight imperium and there's like the old bartender that's exactly what it's like yeah so this next one ties into some of the other ones we've already kind of gotten into, but I think it's a good, it's a perfect name for what it is. Uh, it's instigating when a player rallies other players to bash a perceived leader or so detrimental conflict between other players. Uh, this one I would, I wouldn't even consider like a thing that is in an ethical spectrum. That, to me, instigating is a crucial part of the game. Yeah. Um, if you're if you're mm -hmm. not looking for ways to bash the leader, you're not going to win the board game. Yeah. Because this is probably you, the you most need to always be putting the leader out of contention. That people do. This is the most often. Like this is like the bread and butter of meta. I feel like right. is instigating. Right. This the, the flavor that I, I was aiming for with this one was was more around the lines of using information from outside the scope uh -huh. of the game, where the, the person's not just a leader in the game, it, but it, it's the person who has bad body odor at the table right so let's or, let's or more importantly this is sort of what hunter and i were talking about earlier which is like uh, we have the podcast so people want to get at us we we, we have right. built ourselves up somehow to maybe make people think we know a lot about this board game so they want to prove that they are better than at least us so they do whatever they can to to smash us this doesn't happen in every game, but but more importantly, too, instigating happens even at, at casual groups when like one person is the no, you know, one player in the group right. has played fifteen games of TI and everyone else has played two, 
someone's going to instigate against that person who has played 15 games because they're just like, if yep. we don't jump on them right now, they'll probably crush us because they're smarter about this game than us. And we, we all know that. So it's time to time to, to jump on them, even if that has nothing to do with their actual standing in the game that we are playing right. at this moment. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Um, that, that, and that's instigating right there. That's instigating. Well, <laughs> and instigating ties directly into like mobbing and minioning, right? Like all of these things mm-hmm. end up being combined. And there's, I think there's an interesting dynamic there of the difference between, we, we talked about minioning and, and to a certain extent coaching, which is like an experienced player lording their control over newer players. But we've just expressed the way that all the new players can exert their control over the experienced player. So it becomes this weird scale that's dipping back and forth and i don't i don't know how many times i've seen i I feel like it's pretty even the number of times Mm -hmm. the most experienced player has been jumped on too much versus the number of times the most experienced player let their experience like override and and control other players because of like how they ruled on things or what they did and didn't Mm -hmm. tell other players or whatever it's it's kind of an interesting balance i'm actually surprised there hasn't been more instigating in the tournament. I know we've sort of already talked about this, but I just yeah. more just based on reputation that people already right. had. Right. I kind people of expected know, more people we've, to we've call We've brought up out. Unaligned Magi's name. We've brought up Jensen's name before his game. There's, there, and there's plenty of people who have played with each other, right? Like there's players like Seven and Patience is a Virtue where like they're very well known in the TTS community. I was surprised not to see a little bit more meta heat thrown at them during mm-hmm. the game there was a few mm-hmm. pre-game talk of like "Ooh, i'm nervous about seven but during the game i don't remember ever hearing anybody be like hey guys we seriously need to worry about seven right now because i know he's played a lot of games and we need to figure out how to how to work against him yeah we do need to figure that out um, <laughs> are we ready to do i want to do i want to do another one let's do another one do another one let's do disengaging yeah this mm-hmm. one is i think another incredibly common one and i think it's one that i don't I, I hate when this happens but i think a lot of people justify it and i don't think it's very justifiable it's when a player plays suboptimally because they believe their game standing is fruitless and unwinnable this can uh, advantage immediate neighbors and indirectly cause king making i think players disengage too fast always yeah um, i mean yeah. I, I i agree but i, d- d- I does it never happen? know what's gonna happen d- does it happen more on on like tts rather than an in-person game you think Oh, I think, Probably. yeah, my likelihood to disengage on TTS versus in-person, like, if it's yeah. TTS, it's very likely. If it's right. if it's in-person, it's not likely at all. Like, I'm, I'm there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I think it is. I, I agree with that because if you're not face-to-face with the people, you, you, your concern with the outcome of the game can drop out of the window pretty fast. You're just like, well, this is just a dumb game I'm playing at my computer basically alone. Mm-hmm. I no longer care, so whatever, I'm out. But like, if a tournament has taught me anything in moderating it, it's seeing the number of ways anyone can still be in the game at any given moment. Like, there are so many ways people's goals cross over each other that you never know what's going to happen. Right. And so it's just more interesting to me to just find ways to keep yourself in the game and see what you can do up until the very last minute. I, th- um, I don't think that it's such a horrible thing if if it is literally the last round and, like, it's, it's, I don't know. Like I had a game, I, I had a game, Goodyear Brotherhood game that we streamed where I like kind of disengaged in the last round. Right. But well, like, I do think in casual games, there's a little bit more leniency, right? Like sure. if it's in an, if it's an eight hour casual game and people were ready for it to be over at six hours, there's a certain level of like, you know what? 
to, for me to win, it would take a lot of luck and a lot of weird stuff happening, and so-and-so is looks like they're going to win it. Why are we belaboring this when I have, like, almost no chance to pull this off? Let's just... Let's just let's finish it. Well, I think it, I think the key aspect to me when it comes to disengaging the the key bit is if I don't know how I'm going to get that tenth point, but also I don't even know where to start with what would be the optimal play. Right. Where where because yeah. I think a lot of times people in that situation, if they're saying like, "Oh, you're disengaging," um, it's it's like they're assuming that there's an answer. But right. there's not necessarily. Mm-hmm. There is not right. always. Sometimes you have to go back to ground one and, and just figure out where you're even supposed to go from there. Yeah, and, like, and, and like do- sometimes I feel like if you're at a point where, um, I, you know, like if you're basically saying, I need this to go another round and I have no way directly to make it go another round, it might even just be best to disengage because here's what you save if you disengage. Uh, command counters and action cards. Well, I agree with that. And yeah. it, it can be strategically energy. beneficial. <laughs> right. Like if if it does have if you realize that you're not really the one that's going to be able to make it go another round. Um and in this game the other day, just to put it in context, was we had an extra player with null field and instinct training uh, and a full hand of action cards and no diplomacy. one anywhere near them and diplomacy on the home system. So it wasn't like it, it was right. just, I, I think the reason that I felt like I'm going to disengage was because I knew that no matter how it was going to go down, I wasn't going to win. Now, there right. were other players, there was there was one other player, to be exact, uh, Patience is a Virtue, who had a path to winning, but it, it was not me. So right. I, I, I felt like actually disengaging was almost the nicest thing I could do for him because I was basically saying, I'm not trying to, I don't, I don't. When, I, when it's a situation like that, I don't want to influence the outcome. Like, I, I actually yeah. don't. But I, I, want it to I play mean, that's out where I get into the stuff out. of, like, to, to I get into the thing of, like, you're influencing the outcome no matter what you do. So well, I don't want to influence if, the outcome by specific choices I make as a player. Sure. Basically. Sure. And, and, I, and I agree with the idea of, like, if you're bailing out because you're probably not going to win it, and if something does happen, at least you're conserving your command counters because there's nothing you could do this round. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. There's been plenty of times where we were in the commentary being like, why is everyone waffling and doing weird stuff when it's not doing anything to even further their own game? It's the idea of, like, it's the last round of a game, and someone decides, well, I built this war sun. I better do some attack with it. And everyone at the table goes, oh, please, why? We're going to do five minutes of combat. I don't want to do this right now. Will you please just disengage? Right. And it's it, it's tough to tell someone not to, but at the same time, like, we've all been there where it's just like, can we all please just disengage and let the person have their victory yeah. that they're, they've been waiting for for 10 hours? Well, and, like, even in the context of this game, this Gideon Brotherhood game, there was a moment where they activated someone that they had to support for the throne with. Uh, and we let them walk it back because I, I don't, I've never played a casual game where like we've made somebody live with that because it right it is it's literally if you don't have a lay it and play it rule then it's just a matter of like well that they, they obviously didn't understand the consequence of that activation when right. they did it um, right but you know tournament mm-hmm. let you yep. slay it tournament and, play it and you're boy, done. howdy yeah we, you're done you're done let's talk let's talk about another one here that I think uh, Hunter you're gonna enjoy this one's called dazzling. Mm-hmm. Um, when a player uses personal charisma, their personal reputation, their position, flirtatiousness, or magnanimous social behavior to increase their standing in the game, I just couldn't attack Ted. He's just so nice and did so much work to host the game. Um, I, I think, 
I love that this one is open to a lot of different ways that dazzling could come into play, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like we see this in the tabletop simulator community all the time, which is like people talk about certain players and they're like, well, I'm not going to, they always hold true to their deals. So I can't break my deal with them because they're right. always, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, why? I, those are, that's their choice <laughs> to keep true, <laughs> honest on all their deals. I don't care. That's the kind of player I am. But I, I think that, that that sort of reputation happens a lot where players opt to, and, and it goes the other way too, right? It, it's like, it's almost reverse dazzling. If you're for me, I'm known kind of as a player who is not afraid to backstab someone. Right, and you're so a jerk. <laughs> I, I I sometimes have to lean into it, right? Like right. I, I I have to outline all the different ways I could backstab someone so that I throw them off the scent of the actual way I'm going to backstab them. Mm-hmm. I I uh, I feel like I obviously I just naturally dazzle like all day, every day, and to everyone. Um, it doesn't even have to do with the board Hunter game. lives the dazzle lifestyle. I, I actually didn't really get to talk too much at the Goodyear Brotherhood game the other day because uh, my girlfriend was sleeping, so I was trying to be uh, quiet. And then also TTS, TTS makes me quiet. I just get kind of yeah. like, you feel, you know, there's people in your head, but like talking to you or whatever, but you kind of just, you really zone Hunter, those in. Are... Those are real people. Those are real people. Are you guys They're real? not in your head. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> in real. my brain. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. That makes sense. Um, I will say this, though. I, as far as dazzling goes, uh, my favorite thing in thinking about this concept is, for some reason, and I don't know why, and I wonder if he has noticed it, me and EJ regularly, I would not say that <laughs> we, what we are doing is leaguing or cross-gaming, because I never have the intention of when it starts, but... I think it's you something about our personality. Other. We just dazzle each other every time. We always dazzle each other. And it's because I think I just really respect the way that EJ uh-huh. uh, conducts himself as a player. So right. he does a lot. There's like different types of TI etiquette and behavior that I like really dig a lot. Um, and then I think, I, I think we're pr- just kind of similar in this way. Uh, so I have noticed that we will... It's not arbitrary, uh, like friendliness. It's like it's just gonna happen. It's just gonna right. happen. It's that, bound the, to happen. The equation is gonna, gonna add be up on each to, other's side. Right. Like I, I just, he, I just feel like every single game I play with EJ, when it comes to like an agenda phase where it's like, all right, EJ is gonna need something from me. Well, let's let's see what he offers. And he always makes the offer that I was anticipating that is a good <laughs> offer that I was already ready to say yes to anyways. And I'll just be like, Yes, yes, buddy. This is oh, this thank is it. You, EJ. Whereas like like let's let's co- like contrast that with you. If, right. if there's a time in agenda phase where I know you need something from me, your first offer is gonna be the most insulting <laughs> thing to me. Even if it's, it's not. No, it, it I want to point be. out, even just, if it's not insulting, no, it it's just be. insulting it, to you because I'm offering it. Will it. Be like, it will be like, hey, uh, I will give you, how about you vote for me, and then I'll give you nothing, <laughs> but I'll say, I'll just be like, I'll say a nice thing to you. Like, you know, like, oh, okay. And then I'll be like, what about, okay, so maybe not that. What's your second offer? My second offer this is, is a political secret. Topic for My, this, this is a horrible episode Your idea, second Jada. offer will be this political is, is secret. Jada, success, J- Jada Pake won today by ending the podcast, sowing so much discord between Hunter and I. I can't believe how many times you've tossed over your political secret to me. I don't want it, Matt. Just so you know, I don't want it. And it's not worth it to me. So many times. 
Hustling is when a player feigns <laughs> ignorance of a game, game strategies, or game rules to increase their standing in a game. Tactics range from asserting ignorance to deflect aggression or redo bad moves to using ignorance as cover for breaking the rules and cheating. This is like the opposite of our uh, puppet, not like our yep. coaching player yep. or whatever, right? This is this is the opposite of uh, fluxing, mm -hmm. and is is sort of. I think I hear this one done tongue-in-cheek a lot, but I don't know how often I've seen it done in a real, like, kind of unethical way. But I've seen people be, like, trying to move something, and someone's like, you can't do that. And they're like, oh, I can't? Oh, darn. And it was kind of just like a little a little bit they had with the with themselves. But I can't, I can't think of that many instances where someone, like, really tried to hustle the table. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously this is one of the more this is the one of the more dirty ones, mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. um, well, and and this is where honestly, I think this is where my frustration with the action card. Not to get back into it, and I really don't uh -oh. want to. Uh oh, we but did though. That's what players are. That's what players are trying to do, right? At yeah. the end of the day, they're trying to hustle, and what they say is, "Well, there's nothing in the rules to say I can't right. do it." Right. Except for and the intention of the game. Right. And all of the art and all the ideas, <laughs> all of the logic that and everything about the game, except for it literally doesn't. Of evolution you just can't use. shoot your own ships with PDS. <laughs> like you just, you can't because what is what are they doing? <laughs> we should retitle this episode. Jada Pake yeah. laughs at us for an hour and a half. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I don't. We just keep getting down each other's throats that I, I keep forgetting okay. to give you opportunities to speak Jada okay. <laughs> Jada I, here's what I need you to do for me will you define table flipping and rage quitting oh, and, yes. and 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 show me the difference between the two because that is a tough one to break down yes. for me yes all right table flipping uh, when a player prematurely ends a game for all players because they believe their standing is fruitless and unwinnable where rage quitting is when a player permanently leaves a game before it is over out of anger due to an in-game action or metagame issues. So the difference here might be let more nuanced be in TI because if someone rage quits in TI, you know, it, it, it does sort of end the game for everyone, potentially. You yeah. know, you have yeah. six players, one player goes out, the, the two neighbors for that player that of the player that left are going to have such a huge advantage now because they've got a slice right. that's not protected so in a way in ti it, it's close to table flipping but table flipping is when like you end the game for everyone um mm -hmm. what comes to mind is uh I, I don't know if you guys ever played the game supremacy but back in high school that game was out um it, it, it's basically a game where you um it's sort of risk esh with uh nuclear weapons and you can play different powers. You play mm. Russia, Europe, and the United States, and you can build nuclear weapons. And anyway, the game was fundamentally flawed in that the game always ended in, in nuclear warfare and everybody lost. Um, but I, that's the only game I played where <laughs> I had a buddy like flip the board up and just throw the pieces across the room because he was so angry that, that he got attacked. Wow. So. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's the So I'm, to, to me, table flipping... Honestly, to to a certain extent, table flipping is the ultimate uh, moment where, like, that's that's the ninth point or the tenth point support for the throne swap, right? That's yeah, a table flip. I would say a table that, flip yeah, is this game is over for everyone. Rage quitting is I'm literally bailing on the game and whatever happens, the, I don't know. There's a distinction you need to make with table flipping and king making, which is right. like in table flipping, it would be like. I'm giving someone support for the throne, which actually 
Oh man, this would be actually. I just. Oh man, I just found a TI rule hell thing. Is there anything that says that? Like, if oh, I God. give don't, someone a don't a, even ask. I if don't someone, wanna... if I give someone a promissory note, though, do they have to accept it? Like, like if yeah, I, well, if yes, I'm the like, deal has to be mutual. No, that is a rule. Oh, that you is can't a rule. Just, okay, you okay. can't just force. I was about things to say, on like, <laughs> well, I, I got confused because I saw someone made like a custom faction where that was their idea, and I was like, oh, I guess oh, there's yeah. not a rule against oh. that. But yeah, no, anyway, no, no, there is though. Um, regardless. Well, king king making though, it, you know, you, it, it's still within the rules. You know, mm-hmm. you give someone a support for the throne and they right. win. That's still within the rules. Table flipping, it's like that's we true. don't know how the game could have really ended because, you know, someone flipped the game the table over right. and all the right. pieces went flying. Right. right. Have we yeah, ever seen I someone mean, do that in Twilight Imperium in all in all of our time of playing it? Like me and you, Matt. Well, I'll no. say this much: it wasn't an intentional thing. Um, somebody the other day, I can't think of who it was. Uh, said they were playing a game on Tabletop Simulator and they had to duck out. Um, and I think maybe they were intending for someone else to join the game or something, but they they forgot they were the host of the server. So oh, they closed, no. they, they, they left the game <laughs> and it shut the entire game down. Like everyone had to oh. stop playing because the whole game was gone. It oh, ceased to exist. No. Oh. I'm yeah, sure there's a way to recover that game and they probably did, but that, that sounded like about as close to a table flip unintentionally as you can get yeah can, can you flip the table in tts i've never you I've never can it. that's that's literally a big dumb stupid button on the screen <laughs> for everybody uh Why? they have ways to lock it but even then i think you can break the lock basically if you want to it's the, it's such a dumb and then what what, what happens can you fix the, the table the, the physical table flips over and, and all, all the pieces, pieces go, go everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> and you have to you have to like control z edit undo to get yourself back to a savable board state. Oh my god, why? It's a, because they're troll. Because the world. Because we can't have anything nice, Jada Pick. That's why. Right, right. It can't be a serious. It, it couldn't just be like a serious. I don't even understand why you're asking that question, Jada. You're the one who used to come into every single thread and bash us for our treatment of the yin. You know why these things exist in the world. You are part of the problem. <laughs> it weren't for people like Jada, we could just have a real adult program you use to play board games, and it's not for kids. It's for adults. It doesn't have stupid flip buttons. Uh, let's do rigging. Yeah, Rigging is when a player or observer uses resources or influence outside of the scope of the game to directly advantage or disadvantage a player. Uh, this, is like the, this is the opposite of uh, bully... What what do we call that? Bully ragging. Bully ragging. This is rigging. This Mm -hmm. is this is. I'll give you five bucks to to stop doing this thing. Uh, We had a player offer Hunter a rig in his uh, Goodian Brotherhood game. He said, Hunter, if you told me right now that you would stop the podcast if I didn't let you win this game, I would let you win this game. (laughs) Uh, I should have said it. I should have been. I feel like we. I feel like we need to lord that over people more often. but yeah, like I don't know. This, do is, this, this show is another just for them and not yeah, like, just for us to win. This, anyway. um, this is another one that I think doesn't have that many real world scenarios. But I'm trying to envision where it, it could happen. And and I think I think the real world examples have more to do with um, like 
access to the game mm-hmm. almost like i don't know if a, if a conversation gets heated enough you can rig the game to say if you do this i will not invite you back to Ooh, future games yeah. you will never play ti with this Ooh. group again that is uh, that's a mean thing and that's a terrible thing to do to someone but that i can see that conversation happening in a salty enough group oh right? dude i mean if somebody yeah. said that to me yeah. i'd be like well i'm i'm not coming back are you <laughs> serious right you're like yeah. <laughs> you're willing to to do this for uh, like I don't know. Like, yeah, all bets are off if somebody's well, willing to say something like that. Yeah. If you if you look at this thread, you'll see that there are people that that you know part of the replies are they'll never play know, with someone me did again. this in my group. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely I want to address that. We've got a, I've got some things to bring up after we finish these, but that that is a big point right there that I I think is worth addressing. Uh, but let's let's we've only got a couple left, so let's kind of burn through these last ones. Mobbing, uh, which we sort of covered, but not to the full extent of this definition. Mobbing is when a group of players gang up on a single player solely based upon reasons outside the scope of the game. The player could be perceived as highly skilled player or demonstrates behavior that a annoy other players yeah this is in that same line of stuff we were talking about earlier but but is even more specifically because of their high skill or whatever um um and, and i think mobbing is incredibly common from a strategic perspective of you you mob the player who's in the lead at the end no matter what but the metagame consideration is at the start of the game when you look at one person and go they're the best player at the table yeah we like jensen is them. playing as ghosts we better all as a table do right. something about that or like you know Matt and Hunter are in the game. Boo. Like. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of that, speaking of boo, heckling, when a player or observer uses noises or words to break the concentration and distract the active player with the intent on causing an error in play. This one's fun. This one happens in our stream games, um, to me specifically. <laughs> well, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I'm really easy to fly off the handle. And when I start flying off the handle, all of our, all of my friends love to think of all the different puns or ways they can just dig the knife in. If you watch the, uh, I, I had, I almost made a clip of it the other day. But if you watch our holiday spectacular game, there's a moment after my horrible public execution agenda, where everyone gets at least one one-liner in on me and i just have to sit there and take it i just have to be a big boy and not poop my pampers over the fact that everyone gets a pass at heckling matt and i have to do my best to just like keep playing the game that we're playing and not well if you're not gonna clip it i'm gonna clip that because i i want that right now Um, i'll find it i'll find it and that's the yummiest little thing uh, yeah, I, I mean, think heckling, I think heckling I, is a crucial part of TI. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I I think it's I think it is mostly used in the context you described though, where somebody that flies off the handle a little or like has has a shorter temper can be like people can kind of try and stoke those fires to yeah. make them mm-hmm. play sloppier. And I don't even think right. people like I think I do that sometimes without even thinking. Yeah, oh, it. I think it's easy to do unintentionally because yeah. you're still having a good time. So you're still hanging out and doing whatever and trying to keep the energy light. Mm-hmm. And if the person is feeling salty enough, it's very easy for any action to get under their skin, right? Mm-hmm. If you're just in a bad mood, everything puts you in a worse mood. So it's I, I think it's really easy mm-hmm. to heckle someone that's already kind of going down the spiral. Yeah, yeah for sure. It's really easy to heckle you, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, chuffing is when a player uh, makes noises, chuffs, or comments to demonstrate their apparent superiority in skill or game position. Um, for instance, interjecting unsolicited comments that begin with a haughty, condescending, and nasally. <laughs> Actually, uh, and, and I added a term. I want to add a term to our definitions here that wasn't on your original post, but I, I called it umpiring. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so, so chuffing is annoying and it's kind of a, you know, it's, it's a, it's a well actually thing. And it's, it's, it's not even really like a thing people use to get game advantage. I feel like it's just, just kind annoying. of an annoying <laughs> thing that happens. Uh, and, and, and in that same vein, umpiring is another annoying thing that happens. And, and I'll define it as this in most people's personal groups, one person owns twilight Imperium and that person plays it more than everyone else you know I, i've got 15 games under my belt and the rest of my players have like two a piece uh and so they are used to being the umpire which is kind of an important designated role in a ti group is like the person who keeps the flow going and knows the rules and is there to call out rules when they're relevant because everybody else doesn't want to have to look through the rule book an umpire is is crucial uh when you get six umpires on tabletop simulator in a game <laughs> together uh it becomes a really weird game of a challenge to each other of who knows the most uh and who's going to become chief rules lawyer in a game full of s experts everyone's trying to like divert attention away from each other and become the the like king chuffer i i feel like i've seen so many instances <laughs> where a player th this is the example i give Someone's like, uh, excuse me, excuse me, you can't, you cannot play a uh, Shields Holding on PDS Fire. And the other player goes, oh yeah, no, I know that. I definitely know that. And I know that you can't, I know that Maneuvering Jets is for PDS and I know that Shields Holding is only for Space Combat. And, and like the challenge is on from that point forward of them having to like shove rules in each other's faces at every instance to prove they have more rules knowledge than their opponent. Uh, and again, I think this is something that happens that doesn't even happen for gain within their game position, mm -hmm. but it's just like mm -hmm. this awful meta like cloud that hangs over certain games of Twilight Imperium. I am going to, in the future, if I ever see someone doing this, I'm gonna be like, what, are you trying to be King Chuffer right now? That's gonna be... <laughs> My new favorite uh, insult. Term. <laughs> You're king being a real chuffer. king chuffer. You're trying to be the king chuffer right now. You're giving off strong king chuffer vibes. <laughs> king chuffery. You were just prince chuffer, but you've really gone full king chuffer now. King, king chuffery. Um, chuffery Baratheon. That's how I'll, I'll get it all the way. All the you way there. The you're, a little, you're a little you're chuffery Baratheon right now, aren't you? <laughs> This joke um, is not for everybody. Spacing, when a player is disengaged from a game and not paying attention, often just going through the motions during play with a real focus on social, uh, socializing, social media, carousing, can unequally advantage some players in the game who can ignore the play that player as a threat. Hunter, I think this is even more what you were referring to than disengaging. You space in tabletop simulator. Yeah, I do. Right? So what will happen is I'll be so excited about figuring out my path and then I kind of get locked into the path. And if, and, and honestly, if things don't get shaken up, that's when I will space is if right. things are just going well and all good and fine. Um, and I'm just bumping along. Like I had a round the other day where I didn't need to do anything, but score the three command counter objective. Right. And so there wasn't a lot for me to do. So I, and, and there was a lot for other people to do. So I was yeah. just like not in the game. And it, it right. probably cost me the game, honestly, because I ended up at nine points with no way to get a 10th, which I wish right. I had seen coming. I, I, well, obviously I couldn't have seen it coming because I didn't know what objectives were out. But once we got to the phase two, I realized 
dude, you're not set up to claim any phase two objectives, right. basically, period. Right, you hadn't been putting in that work because you just set yourself aside once you knew you were getting your three command counters. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, so I spaced for an entire round, and then the next round was the last round, so I, I really shouldn't have done that. But I it, on TTS, it's just, it's hard because people take a, lo- a long time with their turn. And you know what? I think the problem with TTS is that because you're not, like, when you're all in the same room, I can really easily just walk into another room and, like, disengage very consciously. But I feel uh-huh. like with TTS, I sit at my computer the whole time. Right. I, even if I take a break, I'm not really getting away from everything. And I think there's, some, there's a necessary aspect for me to be able to do that. Just even a pizza phase is kind right. of important for my ability to play the game for very long. Um, but I do want to say something about spacing that I think is really funny with this uh, definition is uh, that there are people that just, this is their experience when they play board games, that they're not going to understand that this is a thing that could be a problem in Twilight Imperium. You know right. what I mean? Like, they right. could be like, oh, no, when I play board games, it's it's all about socializing and hanging out and talking a lot. And it's yeah. like, there's going to be a point where somebody like that could encounter Twilight Imperium and somebody's going to be like, hey, can you shut up? Because I need to think about my move right here. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like, wait, what? It's like, can What's I get you with- another drink, buddy? Uh, no, actually, this is kind of a tense round for me. Uh, I've got a lot to figure out. And I, uh, no, no drink. I don't drink when I play Twilight Imperium because I need to win. Full mental acuity. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, I think I did the most... Um, embarrassing and vapid spacing of my life the other day mm-hmm. which is do? well i was uh playing my good brotherhood game on the same day that shut up and sit down was doing their big uh ti stream mm-hmm. and so i had that stream up on my second monitor and there were many times in game where i would be suddenly kind of woken from a daze of people going matt matt Matt, it's your turn. Hey, Matt, are you there? <laughs> and it was because I was just full on watching a completely different game of Twilight Imperium right. and hoping they would say our name and being a total <laughs> jerk <laughs> to the players that I was actively in a game with. Right. Uh, and I will you. never forgive myself for doing that. Um, I hope that all those players know that every time I was completely tuned out, it's because I was reading Twitch chat on right. a completely different Twitch stream. Oh, one thing I want to call out with that stream, uh, I didn't watch a whole lot of it um, because they were just not great. Am I right? They just <laughs> did not. They were just like, oh my god, these plebs have no idea what they are doing. They were playing with things they did not understand. Um, but uh, Quinn, uh, if you... Well, if you know Shut Up and Sit Down, uh, one, of the, one of the main people involved is this guy named Quinn, and he was playing as the Yin Brotherhood uh, that he called the, the Quinn's Brotherhood, uh, which that's was, fun. that's fun. Uh, but he was using uh, the, the Van Hyog or whatever. He actually knew how to pronounce it correctly, which I don't, uh, and still don't, even though I heard him. But I will say <laughs> it made me very proud that there were a lot of people in the chat that every time he would use that flagship they were just typing huge van huge van yeah, huge van good. and i can't so, imagine yeah. that they knew what they were talking about at all like i just whoever the two of them running the stream must have been like, like why do they people... keep saying huge van like yeah. why what is that yeah that's so, a that's yeah. a badge of pride that us. made me uh, way more yeah. proud than them talking about our 
our little show or whatever. Miss that saying just, the title that was of my, my podcast. Yeah, that was my favorite thing <laughs> was just people saying huge fan. Because um, that could cause, right. cause confusion. Anyways. We've got, one or, we've got one or two more here left here, and we are, boy, howdy, are we digging into some hours on this uh-huh. podcast. We are. Stealthing. When a player quietly completes an action on their turn, which goes unnoticed by some or all other players, the unnoticed actions usually provide a competitive advantage to the player, as the other players do not take into account the new game state caused by the player's actions. Mm-hmm. This is... Uh, this one, I, I'm actually going to tie to, we wanted to define angle shooting as well, but I would say stealthing and angle shooting are in a very similar milieu. Uh, angle shooting is like disobeying the flow of the game on purpose in order to gain information about the other players they would not have access to otherwise. So let's kind of separate these out. Stealthing, uh, in one of our games, uh, we had what people have now called stack gate, yeah. which is the player who stacked their <laughs> command counters on top of each other in a perfect little stack so that when other players looked at their sheet, they didn't maybe notice how many command counters there were. Uh, same thing can happen with trade goods. Same thing happens with people who maybe put their tech in obfuscated uh, places. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Things like that. All these different versions of stealthing that are feel pretty disingenuous and pretty dirty uh i think stealthing is probably the most obvious like oh you're trying to cheat right now uh-huh <laughs> like, can, if, i want to be i want to be fair though sometimes <laughs> it is innocent sometimes it is not oh absolutely yeah yeah like it's not mm-hmm. always you know i think it, i think it can be a little bit icky um not even a little bit icky i think it can be quite icky um yeah. but that more often than not it either is something that is on accident or it's one of those things where, like, if you claim it was an accident, it's like, well, I got no argument for that. Um, right. Who was it that so, so did Stackgate, though? I don't remember the player. I think it was Evernoob. I actually think it was Evernoob that did Stackgate. Oh, it, may, it was. It was Evernoob. Yeah. You're right. Um, what, what about, what about um, someone, you know, doing a deal on the side without announcing it to the table? See, okay, there is a great example of, like, well, first off, people's contention with even just the idea of secret conversations at all and even more so, I feel like there's a lot of people who, even if they agree with, and I'm in this group, even if secret conversations are allowed, secret deals certainly are not, right? No, like if, yeah. if Hunter mm-hmm. and I go into another room, there is an understanding that if we agree to swap anything, it will happen in front of the table. Yeah. Um, right. So yeah, that that really gets into some, but I mean, hey, it's not defined in the rule I mean, you know this is where we get into really dangerous territory Uh-oh. with like rules definitions of like Sounds what like is we're going to rule defined. hell no we're not we're not going there <laughs> suffice it to say it's hard to define it's hard to define any mel- any meta element of the game right that's like the right. whole point of this episode is like all these things are not defined in the rules which is why like your group kind of has to figure out how you feel about all of them yeah mm. yep I mean, I I personally feel like with the deal thing, it's like you 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 got to announce the deal. Obviously, we don't have to know what you know what you traded. Like if you right. if you're trading promissory notes, if it's promissory notes, know, right? We don't need to know what that right. is. But we do need to know that you swapped promissory notes. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Generally, well, I think the thing about the reason I would say stealthing is unacceptable is because if you're stealthing, how do we know that you're playing by the rules? Like right, you know exactly. I mean? If like, you're willing to stealth, how do we know you're not also like swiping one extra trade good under right, the radar? Right. right. That's why it's bad etiquette because it's like if if we don't know what you're doing as a table, then how are are we supposed to just take it on good faith that you're playing by the rules? There's a lot of things right. you have to do that with in Twilight Imperium, like. You know, nobody's checking all the builds or like all the command counters, right. unless you're in the tournament, in which case you're on lockdown. Okay, and, and, and <laughs> I've got boss. your number. Yeah, we've got your number, and I'm your boss. And ooh, 
I am so excited about our setup for the semis. I am going to be yeah. able to police. I'm going to yeah. be. I'm going to Hunter's, be the Hunter's top on, on duty. build patrol. <laughs> I'm, I'm on build patrol and I'm on command com- ca- counter patrol. So like before in the prelims, that was a lot of work and it was like really hard to really do. Yeah. And, and sometimes now we I'm were good about it. Now I'm all moderating and Hunter is all, mm-hmm. all patrol. And I'm going to be on you. Ooh. just pr- I just love the image, Hunter, for all the semis that like you are in your uh, in your apartment and you have like a little uh, nightstick that you're just swirling. Yeah, you're, I'm on gonna... watch. you're just walking around the table. Yeah. Like looking over every player's shoulder like, hmm, hmm, three command counter. Okay, we'll see. We'll I'm going to have like a right. mag light. I'm going to have a mag light on the desk and I'm going to shine it at their command sheet. Just being like, what's going on there? How many you got in there? Huh? <laughs> what, what, how many how many command counters you got in there? All right. All right, let's do angle shooting. This well, been, okay, so angle shooting This show is not is, supposed to be as fun as it has been today, okay, <laughs> for the record, and we're going to spoil them. Uh, angle shooting is more like um, when a player is is trying to bait out action out of somebody else to gain information, right? It's, it's kind of like pretending to play an action card to see if someone is willing to sabotage it to see if they have right. a sabotage. That's, that's kind of like the best example of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, other examples would even just be uh, I was trying to think of like when in the agenda phase angle shooting happens and it's kind of hard to define for me but I feel I feel like angle shooting happens or or maybe more importantly the reason we get so strict with the action card timing in the agenda phase is purely because of angle shooting yes if you didn't run through every single person in order when an agenda is revealed, when an agenda is revealed, okay, now after an agenda is revealed, after an agenda is revealed, if you didn't do that, players would then be angle shooting each other to see who's going to play which rider when. You know, it happens uh, a and, lot on accident. Like, right. people people get to angle shoot, and I think I think it's a shame because it's like somebody does something out of order on accident, and now everybody knows something they weren't right. supposed to know, and then it can influence their decisions from that point. I mean, we right. had... Uh, like, in our casual game, uh, in our Goodian Brotherhood game, which I try, like, I, I think we both try and have those be a lot looser uh, than normal, because it's just, you know, Absolutely. it's it's supposed to be fun. Um, but there was even a moment where somebody had forgotten to take the agenda deck to, to take, they played politics and they didn't actually look at their agenda cards. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And then we that made happens, it to the agenda like phase, and uh, we let them do it. But like technically, that is angle shooting. They had so right. much they more information more about information. how that round played out. Um, and I just asked them point blank. I was like, "Hey, did your did the, do you have any knowledge that then like changes your decision with these agendas?" And they said no. So I just trusted them and was like, "Whatever, then it's not a big deal." Right. Um, right. But I think it is. I think it's something that me and you have been thinking about a lot lately because of the tournament. Because yeah. angle shooting feels like the, it's the type of exploitable part of the meta that could in my opinion kind of delegitimize a tournament mm-hmm. which is yeah. i think why we focus on it because we want the tournament to feel we want it to be legitimate like i want there to be a winner that where it right. feels like well they i mean they did that they, like, they did that yeah yeah i agree um and yeah i think angle shooting is the one that feels the most uh well that's just strategically a little, uh, yeah. rich uh, and right. bad natured really yeah well and that's why it's it's such a pervasive term like it exists mm-hmm. in poker and all these other areas is because it it is a thing that is a problem in many strategic games yeah. is like people do, doing that kind of behavior to, to bait out 
you know, different actions. Yeah, you can do that in, mm-hmm. like, any game, really, if you're just, right. like, willing to kind of poke and prod and, like, right. be playful with when things happen, then, yeah. Well, it, it gets fuzzy with, you know, bluffing, because bluffing is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, right. an aspect that, of CI. A... <clears throat> and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my, uh, my wife is in here suddenly, and she was looking at this list, I have to point this out. She's looking at the metagame list, and she saw the term mooting and read the definition, and then she just pointed at me. (laughs) (laughs) That's you. Hey, that definition. Hey, you do that. That's you. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, we got one more. We got one more, and this one is not in the original post, but this is something someone else brought up, oh, and right, I think right, it's, right. A, it's a good one to kind of end yeah. on, and, it, and it'll kind of get us out of this whole discussion. Which So from Combat Cotton, they gave us Bower Gaming. When a player in an advantageous position could win, but plays less than optimal with the intent to keep the score tight. Very rare, but it happens. This is like the nice version of metagaming. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> this, is, this is like the good thing you do for the table, just because like you're playing with a bunch of new players. This is the this is the sort of meta everyone wants to say they did because it gives them, uh, like. Oh yeah, you're so elite points. if you could yeah. say that. Hey, by the way, I would have run away with that game even more, but right. I just didn't want to embarrass you all. Um, I think that this is occasionally a strategic choice, though. I mean, if you're playing as Jolnar and you don't want to come out swinging and get too much of an early lead out of fear of retribution, yeah, I don't know. that's I. I think that the that at one point that was something that we very much believed. I don't know that how much I right. feel that these days, but yeah. Well, I, and I think people I think people do a, a version of strategic bower gaming in the number of times we see people just opt to not score as many points as they could because they're like I don't want to look as strong as I as I could because yeah. I want I want I want the score to look tighter so that when I do win I'm able to do it without l- as much heat on me, right. um, and I think people lose games because of that kind of behavior. Usually, I think so too. Um, I think so too. Um, yeah, I think I think it's if you're gonna play the game, it's uh, it's kind of unavoidable that at some point you're gonna get the heat um, if, right. you're, if you're having a good game. Uh, and, and you it's need almost to score impossible. points when you're able to score hard points. Like, you just need yeah. to do that. It's just impossible to predict when you're going to be the one on the chopping block and if yeah. people are going to be able to 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 get you. Um, I think the best thing that you can do, really, is just pay attention to your neighbors. And, yeah. like, as long as you feel pretty confident that they're not going to be able to wreck your stuff, um, which, I mean, by the way, you can never be 100% confident because you don't know what they have action card-wise. Um, that could mess you up. Right. As long as you're kind right. of thinking about that, that's about the best you can do. I, I, I yeah, I, I really think you got to score the points you've got. And if you're the leader for the whole game, I, I don't know. Like, just try and play it through. You know. Yeah. 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 But um, it's, a, it's a hard enough game where you're not going to be able to call your shot and just be like, no, I'm going to hold this one, and then later I'll get it. Like, that's not reliable. So Combat Cotton brings up one final point, and this is kind of this is we're gonna take a weird turn here. We've been mm-hmm. we've been having too much fun, and I want to sour the mood real Ooh, quick. Let's do it. Um, so Combat Cotton says, also, please don't publicly shame people if all you want is nothing to do with them. Maybe other play groups don't mind the behavior you kicked the person out for and need a player. Let them decide what to do with the culprit. So yeah. this is a point to say in. All of these things that we've just defined, all of these metagame things, we've we've constantly talked about how there are different levels to which people are 
willing to accept certain types of behavior, and your group might differ in how it feels about one type of metagame behavior over another. Uh, and so it's really important to basically not um, gatekeep people mm -hmm. based on their uh, choice of how they choose to play and the meta tactics they choose to use. If you don't want to play with them personally, that's fine. But to like go on to a message, especially in the TTS community, it's really dangerous to like come out and just be like, so-and-so did this and ever, or, or to not even say what they did, right? To come out and just be like, so-and-so needs to never be played mm -hmm. with ever again because they engage in bad etiquette. Mm -hmm. Well, that let other players decide what is and is not bad etiquette. There is clearly no definition of what is like globally agreed upon good etiquette. And so it, it is definitely very important, I think, for all players to recognize that like they have different interpretations of what is and isn't allowed and need to take each new player at face value. I, I think that as a community, what I would kind of like to see people do a little more is just be respectful to each other and um, re like respect that, that the decisions that the other players make are their decisions to, to make. Um, mm -hmm. I realize it gets kind of... It, it, with Twilight Imperium, it gets kind of strange because influencing the other players... Um, can you can win a game because you are able to convince someone of something, right. but I do think that that type of of um, meta aspect there has to be like a limit to it. There just has to be a point where it's like no, it, it is ultimately uh, their their decision of what to do. Mm -hmm. um, right. There was a. Uh, like an example, actually, I'm not going to use the example I was going to use because it doesn't really uh, make sense. Uh, but let's just say hypothetically, um, you see that there's a player that's going to win uh, if a certain, let's just say a certain strategy card gets picked, would cause one player to win. You call this out um, to everybody, and then one player is like, no, well, I'm going to pick it anyways. And they probably have their own reasons to do that. Um, yeah. That is their choice. Like, like at the end of the right. day, like you, you, you could, you can get mad, and you can, you can, you can try and like, you know, do whatever. You can, you can try and litigate them. You can try and convince them against it. But I feel like everybody does need to have some sort of cutoff of just like, well, that's it. Like, you know, like sometimes you lose a game, and it's it, you didn't yep. do anything wrong. It just that's right. just how it happened. You know, that's an important factor in all this. Is like just because you didn't win doesn't mean you didn't like play well right and here's here's where i think the the worst of this type of behavior comes from is tabletop simulator has opened up people's avenues to play this game right to, to play it a lot mm -hmm. which means they become desensitized to a lot of things for most of us out here i know so many people listening to this podcast almost never get to play twilight imperium so getting to play twilight imperium is sort of a gift that is granted like once a year right you know and so to to kind of like i don't know chastise someone for a certain way they behaved is is a tough call because for some people it's like but that's the whole point of the game is like i'm going to get as emotionally invested in this as i possibly can because it's the only time i'm going to play it for the next six months mm -hmm. and and i'm going to do whatever it takes because this is a game about politics and diplomacy and trade and warfare and everything and that's that's the way i want to play it because i don't get to play it very often uh and, and i think that's something that has to be yep. considered yeah uh yeah. with with anything and i think that's what gets lost in tabletop simulator yeah yeah so yeah Re respect each other's decisions as players even if you disagree with them 
I think it's totally fair to say that I totally disagree with with what another player is doing, but like there is a yep. way to respectfully do that. Right. Um, and yeah, because like I don't know, gatekeeping as an idea. It, and just shaming people in general for like how they play and the choices that they, they make as players, that's just going to cause less people to play Twilight Imperium at the end of the right. day. You know, like somebody, everybody's got to have their first game and their fifth game and their tenth game, and yeah. sometimes they got to make those mistakes, and then eventually they're going to be like a player that would never do that thing they did in that game that really, you know, that right. really ticked you off or whatever. Uh, but the only way they're going to get there is like by realizing that on their own realizing that on their own yeah people don't just like you can't just will other players to do exactly uh what you want <laughs> all the time now you know everyone's sometimes yeah sometimes there's you know there's some dazzling that happens or you know something so like things things go things go well sometimes but also like yeah it, it just i just feel like there just always has to be a cutoff with those types of things where yeah. there is a point where it is like nope all the players are individuals and they, they make their own decisions and there just has to be a point where sometimes you just got to take a deep breath and be like, I'm just going to live with this. I'm not going to try and meta my way out of this because there's no point at this point. Yep. You know? Well, we made it yeah. folks. We did it. We did it. I want to, I want to thank Jada Paik for coming on and, and helping us spur this conversation. If it felt like Hunter and I talked way too much oh, and no. we didn't give Jada Paik enough room, which is certainly how I feel right now, I, I, at the very least, uh, Jada, I want to thank you for this this amazing thread you wrote so long ago and, and how much discussion it, it helped encourage. Uh, and I think these are all talking points that should continue going forward and people should give out more terms and everything like that. But but thank you, Jada, for, for, for everything, honestly. Everything that you've helped with the show and everything you've helped with the community and, and this episode. All right. Uh, it was my pleasure, guys, and, and thank you so much for having me on the show. This was a lot of fun, and uh, I haven't laughed as much in I don't know how long. So this, this was a lot of fun, and I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Of course. Of course. Of course. Awesome. Well, Hunter and I have to jump over and do some errata, but, but that's going to do it for, for the, the metagame list featuring Jada Paik. Bye, guys. J Jada will be back. Jada will be back. We owe him, like, three Space Kitty episodes. Yeah, honestly. at this point, we <laughs> owe him quite, quite a few Space Kitty episodes. <laughs>that was awesome mm -hmm. that was fun that was like one of the most fun episodes that was like one of the best time. that was like one of the best episodes of all time yeah yeah uh i don't care if anybody else is like i don't get into the metagame stuff that is that it goes in the book as my favorite episode we've ever done yep uh let's do the errata side of that episode though we got to talk about last week's uh prelim map stuff we got we got to talk map stuff and we got to talk prelim games semis map uh-huh everything oh my gosh um the first one is actually kind of an errata from me which was people were asking about some of the drafting statistics that I never got posted or anything, but I wanted to go through. This is out of uh, 13 games I was able to quickly pull up, just talking about uh, number of wins for people in the actual final drafting order, right? Mm -hmm. So first pick versus the sixth pick. So like the sixth pick being the person who gets to pick both their things back to back, faction right. and position. First pick being they get whatever they want, but then they're left with whatever's left at the end. Um, first pick, fifth pick, and sixth pick all got two wins out of the 13 games I tracked. Again, there's five games in the tournament that I, I wasn't able to get into this list um, due to one reason or another. Um, second pick had zero wins. Mm -hmm. Fourth pick had three wins. And third pick had four wins. So being in the middle of the pack 
was was the best position except for for some reason first pick wasn't that bad but second pick was pretty bad so like not getting your pick of the definite best faction or best position yeah but being left with that second choice and still getting essentially bottom of the barrel at the end uh really seemed to hurt people so the, uh, the draft i don't i don't know how much like not to not sure to, no not to low sample size this, yeah super low sample way size. too low i think for the trend. agreed I do feel like third and fourth being a little Higher. bit better kind of makes sense in my head already. Yes. But I I don't know that... I think second having zero might be a fluke. Um, yeah. Instead of it being, you know, because there's... I mean, there's not... How different is it being second pick to first pick? Like, it, right. how many games it's did weird. we see the draft come out where there was just one clear great faction available right. for the first right. pick person? That almost no, never almost happened. never. Right. I agree. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, that's, that, that's interesting statistics. So the first errata is from Brian. Um, he says, I got lazy on jumping to the correct time code. This is in reference to last episode. Um, Mm -hmm. so at, at like an hour, 47 minutes, uh, there is some gatekeeping. Don't have all 20 secrets memorized. You don't belong in the tourney. Um, and that is something we said. Um, I want to be clear about, and this isn't to justify it because you're right. And I, and we just got done talking about gatekeeping and I don't want to do that. So I want to be able to call ourselves out if we are engaging in that kind of behavior. Yeah. Uh, what we, what we should have said and the way we should have worded it is what we expect out of players in the semifinals and going forward is a higher level of, understanding of the game and and that's where we should see players knowing all the secrets if we said that all players in the prelims should have had all the secrets memorized we certainly did not mean to go there because that was never an expectation of mine going into those prelim rounds also i kind of just want to explain it a little bit i think that um you know like uh moderating that tournament um you know we we as the the people running it uh we take a little heat for doing that um just for, and I mean, it's like, obviously people are really appreciative of the tournament happening in general. Um, but I think there is kind of a stress that it creates for both me and Matt to have mm-hmm. to moderate tournaments and make difficult calls. Um, yeah. so there, there was, there is this tendency, I think every once in a while for us to be like, to almost get tired of holding people's hands a little bit and being right. like, no, you just got to know this stuff. And I think that's where it was coming from. And, and yeah. that's not, that's not the prettiest part of our <laughs> Of, of our internal makeup right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do feel like that that is kind of, that was kind of our equivalent of blowing off some steam as far as the prelims. Uh, I agree. It was wonderful to do, by the way. I'm not trying to make it sound like it was <laughs> not a joy, um, but it was a lot of time and there was, uh, you know, there was, right. it, it's not fun making these calls. Like we, we right. agonized about it, it, a lot true. of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I would, there were a couple times, especially towards the end, where I would kind of vocally, when, when like, it, the way it feels, like, you obviously don't have the people sitting there, but the way it feels is, like, things get weird at the table, and suddenly you he, you feel all the eyes turn to you and go, we have this conflict, what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And that's that's what it always felt like to me when those instances would come up of, like, a really tough call that needs to get made, and, like, you know that the call determines how effective someone's strategy is going to be now, right? Like yeah. I, I am yeah. deciding how good the rest of your round goes based on this call right now. Yeah. And I know all the elements, so I know everything that's going to happen based on like what decision I make. And I'm trying to not let that influence it. And yeah, this is all kind of a big tangent, but the, but the point being uh, we certainly didn't mean to like put our 
expectations above people like wanting to just be an attorney. It's it, it should have been more a what we are expecting more and more from our players as we get further and further into the tournament because we're we're hoping to see higher level play. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's well, it, it it definitely is gatekeeping to be like you don't belong in a place because yeah. you don't play a certain way. Uh, it would not be gatekeeping to say memorizing the secrets is advantageous to you right. as a player, right. which I is like how it. we should have. That's exa- essentially how we should have worded it. It was yeah. it was pretty poor wording on our part. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Garnet Bear says based on looking at uh, so now we're getting into uh, some some semis map stuff. Um, based on looking at resources while still getting six influence for two command counters for each slice um, and also getting three or four of the same trait planets, every single position would most optimally want to move counterclockwise except for classic pepperoni. So what he's saying is if every single position takes one equidistant and they take the counterclockwise position, they all benefit greatly except for pepperoni wants to go clockwise so the only person that gets conflict there then is who pepperoni and arthur's dent right right um so i I thought that was a really interesting point of another thing that sort of classic pepperoni is like the best slice but also keeps getting thrown in these contentious issue areas of like yeah you've got all the stuff but you kind of need to fight more for it right hopefully i mean i hope that's the end result of all of this but um but that that's a that's a fun little note on map analysis. Yeah, I, I I still feel like I mean I would like to play on the semis map because I think uh, it's it's really hard to make calls as far as mm, what it's gonna be like. What's uh, gonna be like? Yeah, people people were very vocal, very fast. It is a contentious map. I'll say. This oh much. yeah, people, it's not it's not the most popular thing we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I my justification is the the prelim map was the people pleaser. We yeah. knew there were going to be 18 games on it, and we it needed to be a comfortable map. We are no longer in comfortable rounds. Right. We are we are in the way I think about these games going forward is the draft is there to be utilized, mm-hmm. and the reason the maps exist in a certain way is yes, some things will be stronger than others, and the players need to know how to use that to their advantage, and they need to pick factions or not allow factions that are overpowered or whatever. Now. Uh, I think the map does have one weird issue that is going to be pretty apparent in it, but I'm interested to see how it's going to even out. And uh, so Aiton points out, A-E-T-A-N, Aiton, Aiton. Hmm. Uh, I feel, uh, actually, sorry, this I'm, I'm skipping ahead of myself. Let me let me jump down to Madman Quail, and then we'll come back to Aiton's. Uh, Madman Quail says, I think this map makes round one warfare really, really, really valuable. Uh, some players will be able to snap up both equidistant planets on round one. So uh, essentially six planets instead of two planets extra round one. Another benefit of round one is that the secondary is way worse than average. It's very hard to make use of a fresh carrier given right. the blank systems next to the homeworlds. Right. So warfare is a essentially, and this is what many people in the Discord have agreed with, warfare is automatic pick first for the speaker, no matter what, there's no wiggle room. Mm-hmm. If you are first pick, you have to take warfare. I agree. Um, and that's the kind of thing that I, I don't love seeing in the map, obviously. What what I want the imbalances to be is like a thing that picking the right slice with the right faction can, can fix. Um, what is interesting, though, that we've kind of started to see play out in um, the test games people have been running is warfare... 
there's maybe a way around this warfare problem because the difference between the players who only expand directly forward uh, in the first round, well, all their stuff is right there. Mm-hmm. Everything they've got. And then round two, they can reassess and see where they need to go. Round one, the warfare person spread into three different directions and has stuff everywhere and they're stretched very thin and have in some cases left themselves very, very weak going in to round two. Yeah, I, uh, I think on board position. I think it'll stay like the de facto best, but I think if you get too greedy with it, it's not going to work. Like you're, you're right. not going to be able to take both people like you're, you know, uh, Madman Quail is saying like that that's that that's possible to snap up both equidistant planets. Yeah. Uh, but I think we all know in our hearts that you're not going to get to keep both equidistant planets most of the time. Right. Exactly. Be- One of them is going to be a weak stranglehold. You're not going right. to put enough there. Right. Um, and someone else is going to be coming at it with literally every unit they have in the game. Because the most common strategy for people is to send literally everything forward so that they're ready to go wherever they need to go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, one of your equidistance is going to get jumped on by one of your neighbors. Maybe both of your yeah, equidistance. Yeah, right, exactly. If, if both it, players if are going to jump on with all their bigger fleets. Um, so to, I, I even, so if, if you're not on the discord or on Reddit, I posted uh, new, um, questionnaires. People can, if you want to make stats, help us do stats on these semis maps and on the prelims map, there's two different links to do that. If, uh, you can find it on the, the twilight Imperium subreddit. Um, and th- so there's been five games recorded already on the, um, semis map. Is that right? Yes. Uh, on the semis map, there's been five games recorded and, just of the of the games played, Warfare has not won a single one of those games. Now, I know there are other games that have been played where Warfare has won, but I don't have the stats on those because people were not able to, to get the stats recorded. But out of five games played, there are zero wins with Warfare. So clearly, even though Warfare seems like the best pick going into round one to it's, set yourself hey, up... It's still Twilight Imperium. It, it's still Twilight <laughs> Imperium, and there's still about five more rounds left to play uh-huh. after that. Uh, right now, we're looking at two picks for politics, two wins for politics, a win for tech, a win for construction, and a win for leadership. So it's like Bob's wow. Yeah, I don't know not, what to tell you. There's like, not even a solid trend in all that. Yeah. Um, so to go back to Aiton's uh, thing, uh, Aiton says, I feel Arborek with trade is going to be a strong play. Move one system up, build four more infantry along with the tech. You're on the same footing as most other players. Their weak start won't be noticeable on this map. Uh, I think that's I fun. Sen- I, s- I somewhat agree. I somewhat agree with that, and I think in general, we're going to see the power dynamics shift with some of the factions uh, in this. Uh, to talk about a few more factions, actually, ALMAO31 says, The truth is that any faction with access to Gravity Drive, round one, is at a massive advantage. Even more so if they start with two carriers. Barony, Soul, Hakan, and the Clan of Sar are looking insane. Uh, ghosts are also insane. They don't have two carriers, but ghosts... Most people are saying ghosts are auto-ban on this map. Right. And, I, and I, I sort of agree with this idea that any blue tech, any faction that starts with one blue tech is an auto ban. Because the fact that someone could, with their only carrier or whatever, get to one of those equidistants is a pretty scary idea. Well, here's what I'm going to say. It's it's obvious. Well, I, I'm sure it's obvious what I'm about to say. Barony, Sol, Hakan, Sar, and it lets their ghosts in there as well. That's five factions. There are going right. to be six that are going to be banned from the... You know what I mean? This isn't... If, if this is true and Gravity Drive is certainly insane yeah. then okay but you're still well within your abilities in each game to prevent this from happening right 
Exactly. If, that's that's what the draft is for. The draft is there to prevent blue factions, and the players are there to prevent the world round one warfare from being devastating. Like mm-hmm. I, I again, every time people freak out about possible imbalances, I think they blow it way out of proportion. Is what it comes down to. Yes, there is probably a slight advantage to warfare, but it is not enough that it makes it a runaway game for that player. Sure. I, um, I'm wondering the the thing that, and I don't see that we have any errata about it. I would like to see how PDS ends up faring. People have been talking about it, and I haven't seen any consensus yet, and yeah. I'm wondering that as well. I, I, I think we could probably include that in next week's episode if we get a, a bunch of response. I know people are keen to use it, but I haven't heard of it being like especially defining. Yeah. You know? I haven't, I haven't heard of games that were just... It seems like it's been very back and forth on how contentious games are. I've seen a couple people posting about, like, it was way less fighting than I thought it would be. People were like not wanting to pull the trigger on fighting. Right. Uh, maybe because of the PDS. I-, I could see that being a thing. Everyone builds up such big PDS networks that you can't get into each other's spaces. Um, um, but the inverse has certainly been true, too, where people were, like, gutting each other right away. I know one of the first games played, they described it as Ring 2. It was like everyone was just swirling like sharks in Ring 2. Everyone, mm-hmm. All these attacks were happening and like nothing was happening around Mechatolrex. It's like the opposite of the prelim maps where right. ev- all the action happened right there around Mechatol. This one is like everybody hangs out in Ring 2 and maybe taking Mechatol is kind of like a safe gambit and you just get that point. Like the person with Warfare maybe more realistically does not need to take both Equidistance and split themselves up. They just need to gun it for Mechatol and mm-hmm. sit there and mm-hmm. park and have that be the only thing they do. Yeah, um, that I to me, I think that might be the safer strategy. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree. Um, all right. So we did it. That's that it. We arata. did it. Wow. Yeah, good. Well, <laughs> it was a long episode. So it was a long episode. Here so, you uh, go. No, strap in. I'm doing it. Shut up, <laughs> right. Matt. Shut up, Matt. I'm Matt, up. shut up. You can go to our uh, Twitter for game updates and you can go there for announcements. It's uh, Space Cats Pod is the Twitter. I feel like I don't say that a lot of the time which mm-hmm, is dumb mm-hmm. uh check out our facebook uh it's the name of the show that's that's what our facebook is you just type in the name of the show this show is called uh obviously space lions peace turtles space right lions, space lions oh, Podcast. no sorry whoops uh it's uh space cats space cats peace turtles baby um <laughs> you can go to the subreddit twilight imperium to see our weekly posts uh and get in on some discussion there um love those folks at the twilight imperium subreddit uh mm-hmm. you can go to board game geek guild uh, to see what Robofish is doing, if anything. Uh, and you can check out the calendar for no reason at all. Why is that someone still... Recently, someone recently... Why is that I still in the rundown? Discord. Why do we mention yep. that every week? Here we go. Watch this. Watch Uh-oh. what I'm doing. Are we about to delete it? <laughs> oh, and it's gone. It's gone. It's okay. Uh, you can go to Pat Rion, uh, <laughs> our Pat Rion, to see uh, our Pat Rion, and you can become a Pat Rion uh, and support the show. Uh, there's lots of different levels. Um, we actually just played a Goodian Brotherhood game, two Goodian Brotherhood games uh, last weekend uh, yeah. for that uh, level. Um, there was a Space Kitty episode that, that you just heard it. Um, so those are two examples of stuff you can get with uh, the Patreon right there. Uh, yeah. I'll say this. The people that seem to be getting the short end of the stick right now are the Steve Martin fan club. We need to do yes. something for them. ASAP. We need some streams. We need some um, streams to happen. Yeah. I was even trying to coordinate a stream this coming weekend, but I don't think it's going to happen. The, yeah. the players I've got in the area are not able to. The tournament has stream. been so difficult for yeah. all that stuff. Anyways, um, 
come check out our Discord for fun conversation. Uh, I'm there a lot more these days. Yeah, he uh, is. Which means I see what you type. And sometimes people <laughs> type things, and I think they think that I never look at it. And I'm not going to name names, but um, my feelings do get hurt sometimes. I am, I am just a human being, and uh, I'm really putting myself out there for you. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sit down for a second and think about how much I'm putting myself out there for you, even just right now, you know? Just sending this. I don't know who you are, you know? I don't know who you are. And you're just listening to me, and I don't know what you're doing with it. Uh, you can rate us on your podcast <laughs> app of choice, uh, especially Apple Podcasts, iTunes. Uh, Tim Cook loves it, and he loves mm-hmm. us. Uh, he writes us all the time. Uh, comedy. I am a stand-up comedian. Check out, uh, I've got three clips on YouTube. If you search Hunter Donaldson Comedian, you will find them. They're all of me performing at the exact same comedy club. With I essentially just the same set. Well, not essentially the <laughs> two same of set. Them. Two, of, two them, of them. Two of them have a couple uh, overlapping jokes. Uh, but hey, whatever. It's hard to write comedy, and uh, you don't know. Uh, well, you got and you, when you pl- when you do the ones where you get recorded, you're putting your best stuff forward. That's yeah, and point. I got to do the best stuff. And sometimes you don't write something better than your best. Actually, I would say I very rarely do that. Um, <laughs> but come to uh, I do a show every Thursday uh, called Earthquake Hurricane. Uh, it happens at Ford Food and Drink in Portland, Oregon, which is where I live. Uh, the show starts at eight. Uh, actually, this week we're doing something really special. It's an all powerpoint comedy show every performer is doing powerpoint comp phil will be the headliner um i wish i were there yeah so so phil schallberger uh is another comedian you should look up much much better than me uh you're gonna have to spell that name (laughs) uh yeah philip schallberger uh i don't even know how to spell it uh It's the last name is S C H A L L B E R G E R. I think. Wow, nailed it! Um, All right, cool. Yeah, uh, he is a very, very talented. Um, he does like character comedy where he's doing a PowerPoint presentation. Uh, so he is like the master of this style of comedy, and we're all going to be uh, dipping our toes into it. Um, I think I'm going to do for my set a. Uh, I used to do a bit with a presentation friend of, mine. of how to teach Twilight Imperium. Oh, no, it's fun. No, right? it's not going to have anything to do with Ti. <laughs> Uh, I used to do this bit with a friend of mine where we would pretend we were like doing like a timeshare sell thing, like where we're selling a timeshare, yeah. except for it wasn't a timeshare. It was a crypt for you to be buried in when you die. <laughs> and we did it with the same cadence as a timeshare yeah, and yeah. Uh, super fun. Uh, so That's I think cool. I'm going to turn that into a PowerPoint presentation. I would like to thank some Pat Rons, uh, the Space Kitties, Yen for Life, Patience is a Virtue, um, who I played it, who I got to play with the other day, um, Frederick Durston. Naderade and Jimbo V. Do we have a play of the week? We have a play of the week, and this one is from your favorite player, Unaligned Magi. Magi, Magi, Magi. <laughs> I've, wait, let me get my foam number one thing. Right. I've got yes. my foam thing and my foam Magi hat, and uh, <laughs> decked out in all my Magi gear right now. I'm ready. I'm, my ears are right. open. I'm playing a typical Asarl game, rushing Magion in plants. Oh, I love how he writes. I go to use it since I don't want to have to commit yet and can probably stall out most of the other players. Barony, I, I bet he someone, can. I bet he can. Barony, someone I've never played with on TTS before, tells me he requires my services. Mm-hmm. He wants me to target the player on his left and tell him what cards are in that player's hand. He will then either pay me one trade good or negotiate paying me more to take a specific card. I agree and say out loud all of the cards of that player. Barony pays me one trade good, and I take a sabotage from my victim. Turns go by, and near the end of the round, Barony attacks that player's Meharzul with his flagship and three infantry against the carrier, two fighters, and a cruiser. Everyone at the table tells him that this is a bad idea, but he goes in anyways. 
As the first hits are assigned, everyone realizes what has happened. Barony knows that his opponent does not have a direct hit, so he can safely use the self-repairing flagship with Nintendo Entertainment System to basically auto-win the fight. After Barony takes the space, he bombards the planet for making an example of the world and then scores the four planets with the same trait at the end of the round. It felt pretty thematic to be a spy hired by the wealthy Baron to spy on his enemies. That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, That's a fun use of Magion. I would I would love to see utilized more often. Kind of weird that you brought up the Nintendo Entertainment System joke, being that we probably haven't used it for like... Non-Euclidean shielding? Non-Euclidean shielding, which we, the tech. we call it the nintendo entertainment i'll tell system. you this much but in, that's an old joke right it's now. an old joke but in tournament games i heard more people say nintendo entertainment system than non-euclidean wow over the course of the tournament more wow. barony players said that than than anything else so our uh, our jokes are fire hunter and they last forever they hey. burn for days and nights <laughs> huge fan that, there's fan. nothing better that is there's I, nothing better than a Twitch I'm gonna chat write, for a different podcast yeah, just using yelling, our jokes. Huge fan, huge fan. <laughs> it's going to be on my freaking tombstone, huge fan. <laughs> Here lies Hunter Donaldson, huge fan. Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. I'm glad that Jada Pate called them sit down, shut up, so that it yeah. return the favor. Return <laughs> them calling us Space yeah, Lions yeah, podcast. Yeah, that's perfect. That, that, that's perfect that that happened. Oh my God, I didn't even think about that. I noted that, that he said that, but I didn't mm-hmm. think of why. I didn't think yeah. of how perfect it so, was. Oh, that's so perfect.